And welcome to Alchemy. It's good to have your company and we really hope you enjoy the show. We're free and on demand from iTunes and alchemyradio.net and you can follow us and join the community on Facebook and Twitter, so don't be shy. We exist, of course, thanks to your kind donations, so a big thank you to everybody who does donate via our website. We're completely non-profit and endeavour and intend to stay that way. Basically, the amount of output we have is dependent on the donations that come in. It's an unfortunate state of affairs, but hey, it's the world we're currently living in, isn't it? So, on to the show. Alchemy, alchemy, alchemy. Coming up on Christmas as I'm recording this and things are a little bit different, I've got a studio guest and that guest is Des Carty. Des is from the Common Law Society in Ireland, which is a group that helps individuals and lay litigants in fighting the strangulating tentacles of the legal system. And it does so very successfully. There is also an associated podcast called the CLS Talks. You'll find the links on the website there. And over mince pie or two, Des and I shall be discussing... A homework journal, yes, a real-life case study of a school in Ireland. This is a state-run school and we'll be examining what's contained in the seemingly innocuous-looking journal that is provided to all the 12 or 13-year-olds who are entering the second stream of schooling in Ireland, which is called secondary school. So I don't know what the equivalents would be around the world, but it's a book for 12 or 13-year-olds anyway who go to school. Des, you're very welcome to Alchemy. How are things? Oh, thanks very much, Lion, for having me. Um, we're full of mince pies here, and there's holly and mistletoe and all sorts in the studio. I all the place, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to head to mass after this as well. But we've plenty to discuss. <laughs> we're calling it the Christmas special, and I mean, I don't know how special it's going to be, but it's certainly going to be interesting because into our possession came recently a book, mm-hmm. and it's not the normal type of book that we discuss here. It's actually a book that. Uh, a state-run school issues to all of its students, a secondary school. No, I wouldn't be clear now as to whether or not all the, all the schools, all the state-run schools issue a book like this, but I suspect some of them certainly do, if not all of them. Um, I think it's specifically, this one is designed for a specific school in mind, so it may be rolled out to other schools as well. It's called a student journal. Yeah, and it's uh, a lovely picture on the front and it's nice and colourful and it seems like there might be lots of interesting and um, useful things in there. Oh, absolutely. Um, On the front of it now, the student's name is supposed to be put on the very front of it, but on this occasion there is no student's name on it, Mm. although other parts of the book inside have been filled in. Mm. So I suppose it's a a set of, what do they call it, student journal. If you open up the book, obviously then you get into... The normal thing you'd have perhaps is a, a timetable. Yeah. And that runs through the day-to-day operating procedures that the student has to follow in terms of lessons that yeah. lessons they would have. And it runs from the usual time, 9 a.m. to, I think it's 3.15 in this case, yep, um, Monday to Friday, like a schedule. Yeah. Like a schedule of works that have to be done. So it, would, it lays down all the lessons, the breaks they can have, so on and so forth. The normal sort of thing you'd expect yep. to see. So, have you read through well, some I've, of this? Well, yeah, I've yep. had a look through this, and I did say it was interesting. Um, it certainly is interesting. It looks, when you just glance through it, it looks like a homework diary. Yeah. Uh, I remember having something similar in school. Now, 
what interests me is not so much the the homework diary part of it although there are things we'll get into on that it is the fact that the first half of the book is taken up by all kinds of bits and pieces now there's the calendar for for the school year and there's parent teacher meeting dates there's some lovely pictures presumably from the year before of students the, the achievers the big achievers absolutely yeah, yeah. Um, I wouldn't have made that there <laughs> there are things like contacts for the parent guardian carer a message for students for senior students and junior students from the principal uh, an inspirational quote mm-hmm for, uh, from Nelson Mandela no it's not Mar- actually him oh actually it's yeah. Marianne Williamson quoted by Nelson Mandela That's right. and the picture is Nelson Mandela you got to get that in there because yeah. we all know he didn't do anything um, bad ever in his life so <laughs> there is <laughs> sorry the, the, the most interesting page for me and this is where I'm going to start I'm going to read from the journal um, there's a message to the students and staff and parents and this discusses behaviour Okay, the behaviour of the students, so I suppose the code and how they're expected to behave when in school. So the following document is code of behaviour for the school in question. Every effort has been made to make it a positive code of behaviour. Good, good. Please note the following sections of our code. The standards of behaviour our school expects, the school's response to different types of behaviour, a specific contract for our first year students. Sorry, say that again. A contract? A specific contract for our first year students. That's a direct quote. Right, okay. Now, that kind of made the all ears prick up when I was reading it. Um, So I'll continue. Parents and students will be asked to sign the code which is printed in this book. It is the intention of the school to place a great emphasis on these three rights. Capital R for rights. Okay. All who come to this school have a right to be educated in an atmosphere of respect and an organised learning environment. Everybody at the school has a right to work in a clean, safe and healthy environment. All have a right to come to the school to pursue their education without interference, bullying or intimidation. To help underpin these rights, the school will endeavour to implement the code as fairly as possible and will continue to develop policies both within the code and within the school generally. So you can refer to the website there. Every right has a corresponding responsibility. For example, students representing the school in any capacity should do so only on the basis that they honour these three rights in school and value the standards of behaviour at all times. If a student is not responsible in this regard, the privilege of representing the school may be reviewed. Inevitably, some responsibilities remain unnamed and it is the intention of the school to update this code of behaviour from time to time as circumstances require. Okay, so that gives a bit of leeway, latitude in the contract to vary the terms and conditions. Absolutely. Okay. In the meantime, the list should not be regarded as exhaustive and the mere fact that a particular matter is not specified in this code will not exonerate a pupil from blame should there be an infringement of another person's right. This code of behaviour is about enabling all members of the school community to feel valued, to have their achievements valued and to behave appropriately towards each other. And the principal's name is there. Within the limitations of the contract. Yeah, so on the surface of it, we want everyone to be nice and happy. Grand. That's that's fair enough. Okay. But as we know from the discussions on this show, it's not always about what's on the surface, is it? <laughs> no, no. So I'm going to ask you one or two questions, Des. And the number one, what stands out for you there? Is there anything that, as I was reading it, just popped out and you thought, hang on a minute? There was one because you interjected anyway, straight off the bat. Okay. Um, 
the specific contract for our first year students. So that at the first instance stands out to me because it's, it reads like it's a contract. Yeah. It's spelt like it's a contract. So in essence, it is a contract. Mm. They're laying out a contract for their first year students. Yeah. Now, I'm not sure if there's a second year student book or a third year student book. I think there is actually in this case. So they're basically getting young people per se children really that are 12 13 14 mm-hmm. to sign a contract as we get on into this discussion we will note there is pages here that have to be signed by the student and in some cases i think by the parents as well yeah so you're getting young people into signing and agreeing to terms and conditions and by extension then into contracts that by on the face of this allows the school to have flexibility within the contract but not necessarily the student or yeah. the child yeah yeah so they're getting people under the age of 18 to sign contracts now that in itself is questionable as to whether or not those contracts would be valid mm. because they are minors but i think the the suggestion here from our perspective would be they're beginning now to condition and introduce young people i.e. children into accepting contracts Absolutely. And that's exactly what stood out to me. And I made some notes just as you were speaking there as well. Like, number one, there are probably many people out there listening, thinking, for God's sake, lads, will you cop on? It's just so that people behave in school. Okay, fair enough. But why are we discussing this? I mean, wasn't it enough in the past for a teacher just to say, children, cop on and behave in school? Why is a contract needed at this point? And number one, they talk about rights, as if rights are something that can be bestowed upon a person and they're not inherent anyway. And very often what happens is you give up your freedom in return for rights. Yeah, or perceived rights. Or perceived rights, or what they are going to give you. They're giving you these rights, but you do give up something to get a right from somebody under contract so uh, as we see there it is a contract you're giving up something else which is your freedom so I would codify this and probably we should restate this at the end but essentially you're, you're being brought into a system and you're told right well this is a benefit for you to be in this Mm, system and they even use the word benefit which we've discussed at length when it comes to jail time for example exactly yeah so that would be an alignment to as you suggest there and I would agree with you to a form of imprisonment Mm. for your mind Mm -hmm. as a young we call it a young people or a young child whatever so this just confirms or affirms for me what I've always suspected about state run schools I don't know I haven't been to a private school so I can't comment on that I certainly have been to a state school is that it is essentially a prison for your mind as a child and to program determine I don't know what else you'd say about it condition Mm. your mind into a system of working Mm. and then you come out the other end and you'll be a good citizen exactly and one way of tying people into that then in a in a physical sense is through contracts. Correct. So we've got a contract here, so we've discussed the rights and the contracts, and then the fact that it's open-ended. Sign this contract that we can change at any time, Yes. and there's nothing you can do about it, mm-hmm. because if, you've signed that contract. If you sign it. If, if you sign it. Yeah. We're talking about young people, really young people, yeah. 12, 13 years of age in this case, and 
I challenge anybody to come back and say to me, well, this is not about conditioning. This is not mm. about in some subconscious sense. Now, I'm not saying that necessarily the principal even realizes that this what it, that's what it is, but somebody somewhere who decided to introduce this knows exactly what they're doing. And the fact that it's a state-run school speaks volumes. Well, I, I can only guess at the answers to this question, but it still be interesting if there was a way to find out, but I don't think we'll ever be able to find out how many of those children brought this book home now mm-hmm. as far as I understand the book has to be paid for as well okay that's another issue so I, I would ask the question how many of the children came home with this book realising first of all that it was a contract and then said to their parents specifically right we have a contract here we need to sit down and discuss the terms and conditions of this contract yeah and I need to go back to the school let them know what terms and conditions I agree with or don't agree with and if there is any additional terms and conditions I won't put into the book. Yeah. So I'd say zero. That's my guess. Mm-hmm. I obviously don't know. But I can't imagine any parent turning around and saying to their child, right, those are their terms and conditions. We don't agree with this. We don't agree with that. We do agree with putting in something like this or we let it this. So I don't imagine it was a two-way street, mm-hmm. which all contracts by law have to be. Both parties, it's consent you know, you have yeah. to consent to it and the meeting of the minds has to happen, so to speak. So I can't imagine that this was anything more than a one-way street mm. with this, that the school gave these books out and said, right, you need to basically sign these, mm. sign a one-way street contract, basically. Sounds a little bit like walking into a bank and trying to get a loan or a mortgage or something, doesn't it? Well, you see, I think that's where it starts, you see, and specifically in the modern parlance or modern context, they started off specifically in this school. Again, we can't say if they're in all the schools. Um, they started off with this conditioning for children. Now, I'd watch out for it if you're a parent and say, or if they have them already, and perhaps consider what we're saying, first of all, mm. and they, maybe then in the future consider challenging what's in the book. Well, it's up to yourselves, of course. I can't say you should or shouldn't. You know, it's, I, I certainly w- would be reading it critically yeah. at this juncture. Uh, I think these are issued every year to this school anyway, but I can't say about other schools. So, okay, so it doesn't look good in the front face of it anyway. No, it looks so innocuous. It doesn't look like anything. No, it's dressed know. up very nicely, yeah. and there's nice, amenable language used there, yeah. and it's, this is for everybody's benefit. But sure, mm-hmm. isn't isn't everything always for your benefit when someone wants you to sign something or they want something from you? Correct. So let's have a look then at what exactly. If you sign up for this, you've okay. signed up what for What benefits you're getting, yeah. Yeah. Well, the first benefit is that you fall onto or under, I don't know, the ladder of response. And that's okay. a heading at the top of the page. And there's a subheading, how our school responds to types of behavior. And as seems to be the norm now in this, I don't know whether it stems from Common Core in the US or where, where this comes from, but I associate it with the dumbing down of human beings um, deliberate dumbing down everything seems to be colour coded now so the weather comes on there's a red alert or a yellow alert Every, there's yeah. you know and nuclear everything is colour coded red bad green good yeah, and it everywhere doesn't else actually, in between to look out the window and look at the weather it doesn't tell you anything no it's, no it's no colour code y- yeah. you need to know whether it's red or it's yellow or yeah. whatever absolute that tells you nonsense but we've got this here in front of us and we've got green blue orangey yellow white and red so the ladder of behaviour we'll start with the green so green is good isn't it green, all green green good. is good the colour of nature so we've the ladder of behaviour and then the responses to each step on the ladder okay so the ladder of behaviour green and it says beside it be here 
Okay, so the, oh, this is obviously directed at the students. Yeah, this is okay. at the students. So students uphold standards of behaviour. So this is the behaviour, right? So the student is upholding the standard of behaviour. Most students in our community are here. So most of you are good. And then the responses to that, and this, so this is what you're getting in return. I mean, this for, is for this being compliant. Classic, okay. classic conditioning. Verbal acknowledgement, encouragement, extra privileges, praise, verbal and written from the classroom teacher, the tutor, or the yearhead. Celebration of students at assembly, school nights. This kind of behaviour is its own reward. Okay. Okay. Well, all right. And not to make too much of an analogy to a prison, but if you behave yourself very well mm. in prison. Those are the sorts of rewards that you would expect. I'd Absolutely. Imagine. And I mean, Pavlov was probably the first to, uh, to actually recognise this. <laughs> this. So we are talking about classic Pavlovian conditioning here. Okay. Well, just to, again, sometimes we don't want to get caught up in, in complexities, but Pavlov mm. is in relation to the dog or something? Yeah, like Pavlov's that? dog, the experiment whereby if, he, if the dog got treats at a particular time well then it would respond in a particular way so oh, they'd ring a bell and let the dog yeah go. there were yeah. bells and he did other experiments with chickens and I should know more about it training from, from dogs, college basically. but basically it's about training and humans he, he, he opined and then demonstrated that humans could be conditioned and trained in the same way yeah um, and as dogs as, as dogs yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we'll get on to the blue the nice light blue um, it says classroom teacher here so this is uh this is okay I've noticed a pattern as we continue right the the students are meant to be in the green area the classroom teacher is in this blue area so the ladder of behaviour then not doing homework interrupting not working not being punctual answering back littering not having equipment disrupting others learning and similar so the teacher has the power then to act upon this behaviour okay okay? so it goes from the school stroke principal and devolves down down into the down to, to the, the student the, yeah. the student teacher relationship exactly okay, yes so the responses that the classroom teacher then has available right, can, can we go back to what the the, the, the what's it what colour code the first one was yeah read it out again because there's a couple of things there I think we okay can. not doing homework okay. interrupting not doing homework okay yeah so obviously we'd imagine there's a negative consequence for not doing homework yes as okay. we'll see now in a second yeah and what's the next one uh, interrupting interrupting so interrupting now not doing homework I don't really it doesn't really give me anything at the moment but Mm. interrupting I mean I know from raising children that the way children learn is by interrupting yeah and saying why you know don't we even hear interrupt each other all the time when a point needs to be addressed or clarified like we just did there with Pavlov's dog we were I was unclear you might have been unclear so we clarified it so that's what children by their nature do is interrupt and disrupt and ask why they mm. have an awful habit and every parent will attest to this a child gets into a, a cycle of asking why they'll keep asking why and it, they'll wear the parent down yeah to a certain extent. there's a point where the parent says I'm not it doesn't matter just accept it yeah right it's just because just because that's <laughs> yeah. it yeah well look at that's the way things are that's the way they've always been yeah and they always will be so don't ask why anymore yeah right but parents are pushed into that environment eventually with the children but the children are actively trying to learn by asking why and interrupting hmm. and jumping in when they hear something that they don't understand or don't recognise or whatever it might be so they are actively learning when they're interrupting that's a very good point and they're interacting really aren't they yeah yet here okay. you're being conditioned to not. not do that because there'll be a negative response okay, on, the next one is not working well that's very broad isn't it I've never ever seen a child not working as something ever 
if a child is staring at the window or an adult for that matter well isn't their mind working isn't their imagination working if they're daydreaming which is always held up as this bad thing in school well I would be of the opinion that if you're daydreaming you're using your imagination our most powerful tool so that's got to be a good thing so I'd uh, associate that term not working with being brain dead yeah something's not working it's not working correctly yeah yeah okay Yeah. yeah not being punctual Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. Well, I suppose that's a form of they want you to be on time, yeah, which mm. you kind of respect that to a certain extent. Yeah, I don't have a huge issue there yeah. to a degree. Um, answering back. Mm-hmm. Well, that kind of falls into the interrupting thing as well. Yeah, yeah. S- similar. Well, you can't have children answering back, can you? No, well, they should be seen and not heard. Exactly. We all know that. Oh, there you go now, you see. Yeah. You see? Littering. Littering, okay. Right, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying it's good or bad or yeah. they just say, all right, they have it in there, littering. Here's one now. I have something sure, to say look, about if this. If they don't litter, like, uh, surely they'll have no need for a, a school cleaner. There'll be no work for the cleaner if there isn't litter. Good point. See now? Yeah. <laughs> I know we're being flippant. <laughs> yeah. Go on anyway. Here's one. Not having equipment. All right. What if you can't afford it? Okay, yeah, that's a good question, yeah. And I mean, there are... What if you don't have the means? Yeah, exactly, yeah. And there are people who don't have the means. Plenty of them. So there's... Yeah. You're bringing extra pressure to bear there. I mean, the, the one thing is deliberately maybe disrupting the workflow of a class, assuming it's for the benefit of the class, by leaving something at home on purpose because you want to do that. That's one thing. Yeah. But not having equipment can be... There's a broad spectrum there, I think. And I think they get into more innocuous stuff because... Um, I think from from my memory, uh, my, my children, when they went to school, they had to have specific type of equipment. It had to be... Now, I'm not saying it's branded, mm. but usually it came from a specific source. Yeah. I.e. be the protectors, rulers, whatever it might Even be. Even the uniform in a lot of cases. Uniform, I mean, I first-hand yeah. memories of this, yeah. And usually, by comparison or contrast, you could find stuff that was cheaper somewhere else. Yeah. But they usually had to have a specific brand name or type of instrument or equipment that has to be brought in as opposed to a generic thing yeah. that they could pick up in a, a, a cheap shop, so to speak. Exactly. So, all right. That, but that leads its way into something else that we can discuss about the book mm-hmm. itself and other stuff as well. Then the final one is disrupting others' learning and similar. Okay. Well, I don't know what to say about that yet. Well, maybe just read on a bit and... Yeah, well, the responses then Mm -hmm. available to the teacher. So the consequences uh, available to the teacher against the student, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. The punishment. The punishment. (laughs) Verbal warning, loss of privilege, example, seating arrangements, detention. Detention. Now, detention is something I think... I'm going to make a note of that. I'd like to talk about detention later on. I have some first-hand experience of uh, looking into... Seriously, detention is. Would you believe? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, behaviour recorded extra work given wow behaviour recorded that's mm. interesting now mm. okay yes extra work given for not working late stamps will result in lunch hour detention mm-hmm. time out in class or temporary removal to another class okay okay so they're the, they're the the negative Watch responses yeah we'll move on to yellow okay. orange whatever it is year head now this is where uh, oh, yeah. the big wigs are starting to be introduced yeah so the ladder of behaviour ongoing misbehaviours such as deliberate disruptiveness defiance truancy 
offensive language or gestures. Oh, I'm going to have a field day with these. Smoking, inability to cooperate, bullying, and similar. Okay. Okay. Now, bullying, I've, I've no problem with somebody being um, reprehended for, yeah. uh, for, for bullying. I mean, that's mm-hmm. kind of obvious. Deliberate disruptiveness. Now, disruptiveness to me can take many different forms. What a teacher perceives as being disruptive could actually be going back to what we discussed earlier, somebody asking a question yeah. or interrupting. And if that annoys the teacher, well, then, yeah, it's disrupting the flow that the teacher possibly had. But maybe it isn't necessarily a negative thing. Correct. It yeah. could be positive. Mm. The, the, the disruptiveness may be because something was perceived as wrong by the student that yeah. the teacher but I think even the, on the broad in the broad context disruptiveness um, is a sign of lacking of uh, learning or teaching mm. happening if you know what I mean yeah that I mean if I was in a class of any class of any sort and obviously now I'm a bit more grown up than I was when I was younger I wouldn't attend a class now that I wasn't interested in interested in the material yeah so perhaps disruptiveness is a sign that the pupil or the, the child or the student, whatever you want to call them, are not interested. I think it's a very good point. Yeah. yeah. Or they're bored. Or perhaps the teacher, which, whose job it is to teach, mm. is not actually teaching the material in a way that the child will understand or be interested in. Yeah. I mean, what's the purpose? There's a, a phrase I've used for a friend of mine used to say to me. Um, teaching hasn't happened until learning has occurred yeah so you can't claim to have taught somebody unless that you can demonstrate that they have learned it yeah that, that's really good I like yeah. that yeah and I think there's an awful that that goes on in primary school and secondary school that they put in all the rules and regulations the usual thing but has ever, anybody ever sort of challenged the teacher and said well actually you're claiming that the class are disruptive and it's not generally just one individual mm. all the time sometimes it's it's an innocuous thing whereby the class end up being disruptive themselves yeah and that cannot be down to just one party a one pupil or child that generally is there's a, there's a feeling amongst the group that this teacher is not effectively teaching mm. or we're not learning something and it is the job of the teacher to teach somebody stuff and for them to learn and if the learning hasn't happened there's no proof that it, a teaching event has occurred that's absolutely true and I've, just as you're speaking I'm remembering particular teachers I had the same class in secondary school and we'd move to different classrooms or the teachers would come to us depending on the subject yeah. but with the same class it was the same group of 30 odd people with certain teachers there was chaos in the classroom with other teachers we really enjoyed when that teacher was there and there was a, a, a productive environment now it's the same group of people the only difference is the teacher okay so that feeds into what you're saying uh, before I forget this uh, it, now we haven't got down to the end of that page yet in terms of what does it say again ladder of response the ladder of response yeah now what they've actually done so far anyway is they've said if the student the pupil the child behaves this way this is what we're going to do to them yeah so why haven't they also put on there if this is a fair contract if the teacher doesn't teach properly this is what we're going to do yeah so there's no balance in that because if the teacher is not teaching and there's no learning occurring Hmm. why isn't the teacher being detained removed replaced uh, admonished or you know whatever you want to call it wouldn't that be fair 
Absolutely. For it to be a, a fair contract, you'd have to have that in there. Yeah. So it, it does not... Now, maybe it does laterally in the book say, say that, well, if the, if the teachers are not behaving themselves, mm-hmm. i.e. are not teaching, and there's no proof that there any learning has occurred, this is what is going to happen to the teacher. Yeah. But they're very clear on what will happen to the child if perceived disruption occurs or bullying or bad perceived bad behaviour whatever it might be so mm-hmm. they're very clear about that but I would have issue with that if they're not balancing it up by saying well the teacher has a responsibility as well they have to teach or get across the learning mm-hmm. so uh, let's go on anyway I don't want to disrupt you too much uh, yeah, dis- we know Excuse what happens me. to those who disrupt uh, defiance is the next one now I know I most people can be quite defiant if they perceive that a wrong is being done to them so I think that that kind of yeah Defiance in itself is a response to something that has gone on before. Um, well, if you think about it on the broader worldwide scale, for example, some of the greatest proponents of freedom mm-hmm. are people that have defied what's in front of them. Well, Gandhi's a good example. Well, there's loads of them. Yeah. And Nelson Mandela, the man they rely upon as the image in the front of the book, he defied the state of South Africa, didn't he? He did. And he got locked up. So are they saying that they should not be like Gandhi because, or get now like Mandela because he was very defiant of the state. I think, I think you've really pulled something very, very interesting out there. They're contradicting themselves, aren't they? It's a direct I contradiction, especially because they have the image of Mandela, um, especially because of the poem they have there by Marianne Wilson. Mm. You know, and if you look, there's a, there's a film associated with Marianne Wilson, and I don't mind mentioning it because it is such a good example. Who is she? I'm not familiar with her. I, I, now, I'm not over familiar mm. with her, but I know she wrote a brilliant poem, and the poem itself is, is brilliant. It's, yeah. it's quoted in a film um, about a, a, a coach, uh, a teacher in the States called Coach Carter. Okay, I remember the movie, yeah. yeah. And people should watch that movie. The, the, the quote is actually, or sorry, the poem is quoted by one of the children stroke pupils students in the, in the school mm. about you know how good they are right. and the potential that people have in them and it's not really it doesn't really correlate to what's in this book because all they're doing here is saying to in this book as so far as we can read is that if you display any of these attributes like defiance well you're going to get hammered for it yeah and this is why I suggest people have a look at the film as well because it does actually there is actually a, a, re- a reference to Coach Carter getting the pupils, the students, to sign a contract. Mm. But he makes it a very open contract. He says, if you don't want to comply with this contract, don't play basketball. Mm. There's only one way to play basketball, specifically in this school, and it's to agree to these terms. Now, if you don't want to, I don't mind. That's fine. And it's a very straightforward contract. There's yeah. nothing overcomplicated about it. But I suggest that people watch that film as well. Anyway, go on. Yeah, there is a contradiction there between what they said there and having the image of Nelson Mandela. Now, yeah. irrespective of what you think of Nelson Mandela, he's done good and bad and all yeah, the bits yeah. in between. It is directly contradicting the ethos of what he was about, mm-hmm. I would suggest. Yeah. Truancy. I think that's interesting. Who uses the word truancy? It's a legal term. Mm-hmm. Um, does it, most people say mitching or whatever other mitching, term yeah. they have. Yeah, like I, I don't know anyone so in the country. Who hasn't mitched? Like. <laughs> I certainly wouldn't have mitched. But <laughs> <laughs> you do surprise me. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. And so truancy is in there. Um, offensive language, stroke gestures. Now, ah, for Christ's sake! I look, mean, the, uh, cu- the culture. Our culture is steeped in perceived and I say perceived yeah. offensive language I mean 
anybody now this is going into the PC brigade thing now sorry to jump in there on no you're fine you're fine Um, I was about to go off on a rant yeah (laughs) another one (laughs) another friggin rant Um, yeah but you see again this is trying to um, reduce our language because within the context of the people on this island we have such a colourful range of language and like I have lived off, not on this island for many years I went away and I lived in another country another island and when I swore used perceived offensive language in the company of people that I was with they never perceived it as offensive yeah they said the way you say it sounds like a compliment yeah um, now literally I've had that said to me that the way I swear is just embedded within my language it's not used as a form of offence yeah and we see it like if you if you watch for example and I, I really love this program which is Father Ted hmm. there is perceived offensive language but all it is doing is getting across a message that's all it is and that's what's happening here is that again once again they're trying to take out of our perceived culture now cultures can be very short term very long term but they're trying to take words out of your your language yeah and there's certain words and we don't often use them on the radio and I don't think we have a need to use them in any context in this this case but there's there's certain words that I would naturally use and you probably would naturally use to express certain emotions and you're not having a go with somebody else by using certain words that begin with F or C or B or whatever it might be. Mm. You're not using it to offend somebody. You're using it to express maybe exacerbation or a, a brilliance. You're thinking something is fantastic. And, you, and like I, I'll say now, if you, if you think something is great, you might say it's fucking mighty. You know, and that's not offensive to anybody. Mm. It's just a form of your expression. Yeah. Uh, I, I just really dislike people who go down that road I, I've had conversations on the phone and I've expressed exacerbation at people on the phone mm. and I'd say something like for fuck's sake will you listen yeah and they'd say well sir I'm going to have to hang up the phone I'm, I, I don't have to stand for this bad language and I'd say well what are you talking about did I swear at you or yeah. did I swear at the situation mm. and of course they'd still hang up yeah because they were told if the F word was used in any context whatsoever, you can't hang up that phone. Mm. So they're not actually listening. It's actually disingenuous. It's, it's an insult um, specifically to me to turn around and say to me, well, you're swearing at me because I haven't sworn at you. I've sworn at the situation. Yeah. So you need to get that. We all need to get that. I mean, I don't think there's many people out there on this island are purposely out to attack people verbally. But the language of, the colourful language is in our culture and mm. we shouldn't just drop it simply simply because somebody says well that's not politically correct and that's what that book is alluding to do it is it's political correctness and to see how that is running riot in the UK now is, is actually pretty shocking and even to look at offence and what it is the language around the word offence is interesting in itself in that you can only take offence you can't give offence it's to take offence so if you call me a fucking bollocks mm-hmm. And you call Jimmy over the road a fucking bollocks. And I laugh at you and I say, yeah, go away, you fucking bollocks yourself. And we uh, slap on the back and we go for a pint. Yeah. But Jimmy goes off on one and starts crying and needs a safe space and all of this. Yeah. Well, what's the difference there? Your behavior hasn't been different, but the other person's perception of your behavior is what has led to the reaction of Jimmy and myself. So Jimmy has chosen to take offense. I haven't. You have said the exact same thing. So Mm. how can somebody say to you then that you need 
to change your behaviour mm-hmm. based on Jimmy's choice to react in a particular way. Yeah. Now, some people could argue, well, Jimmy doesn't make that choice consciously because he had a certain upbringing, etc., etc. Fine, he still makes that choice, be it subconsciously or consciously. We can only be responsible for our own behaviour, not the behaviour of others. Now, now that you mentioned the B word there, um, I don't mind, I have no issue using the word mm. either. I mean, sometimes if you get frustrated... It is actually, you're not being politically incorrect if you say to somebody, I think you're a bollocks, mm. right? They'll, they might take offence at that and they'll say, how dare you, whatever, blah, blah. They go off on one day and yeah. say, well, you know, how dare you call me? And I say, uh, my argument to that is, well, are you saying that I can't think you're a bollocks? Because that's what you're alluding to. Yeah. If I say to you, I think you're a bollocks, are you saying to me, I can't actually think you're a bollocks? Mm-hmm. Now, how can you impose your logic upon my freedom to think yeah how does that work how do you do that isn't that you saying to me I've committed a thought crime if I can't think that somebody is a bollocks and if I can't express that and say well I think he's an absolute bollocks of a man or woman or whatever it might be then what you're doing is trying to impose upon me your idea of what a crime is and you're saying well I'm committing a thought crime now isn't that what we're all trying to avoid here i.e. we talked about this before 1984 yeah thought crime whereby people are afraid not just to express themselves but to think Mm. and it is a form of expression that's all language is so as soon as you start to reduce that and people now I know we've used uh, some court words here and all that but Mm. again we're just trying to express that you shouldn't be removing words from your language you certainly should be trying to express yourself perhaps in a a, a clearer way but many people in, on our island don't have a, a better way, perhaps, or a clearer way. As I'm not saying it's better, but certainly a different way yeah. other than the culture that we're brought. I know people, and I think I've discussed this with you before, Lionel. I know people from the place I originally came from have never gone outside the village, never mind the county or the, or the island. Mm. They've never left the village, so to speak. There's no way in the world you're going to be able to force them to change the way they think or the language they use yeah. and if you do you get a spade across the head mm. you know that's offensive yeah but not that they would do that but you know that's what you're talking about getting somebody saying to you I think you're a bollocks is not the same as getting a, a spade across the head no it's completely different they're expressing what they think and you cannot infringe upon that freedom mm-hmm. it's not possible to do that and you can't persecute them for it either yeah because you're persecuting them for a thought crime there is no law that allows you to do such a thing. Yeah, which made it all the more incredible when blasphemy laws were brought back in, mm-hmm. in this wonderful state. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, that's another can of worms, yeah, which we, we won't even open it up there now. now. <laughs> but um, but yeah. we'll get into it at another time. Absolutely. Definitely, and yeah. it, we, we've, we've handled the offensive language and gestures there. I mean, it's the very same with gestures. Like, if I stick one finger up versus another finger, mm. I should be punished for one and not seriously fuck off anyway (laughs) (laughs) smoking is the next one Uh, alright okay grand Uh, inability to cooperate inability to cooperate it doesn't say refusal to cooperate inability to cooperate so they can define inability to cooperate as in this is where they can change the terms of reference of what they're talking about they can say well you're not they can they can define what the inability is. Yeah, and say say for example, I 
go home for my Christmas holidays and I get injured playing a soccer match and I go back into school on crutches and I'm not able to play soccer anymore mm. and the teacher says no you have to play soccer Every you signed up for the, everybody says they're going to play soccer you're part of the team you have to play soccer but I'm not able teacher well we've got this code and this contract that you've signed up to now and we have a list of punishments for you I mean I know that's that's extreme it's that's not unlikely it to happen there, but, but it does say yeah. it there it does say it, that option is open yes absolutely so, yeah so they can persecute you or prosecute you mm, say yeah um, for your inability to play football at that point in time yeah despite the fact that you're hopping around in crutches yeah so. despite the fact that you haven't got the ability you, you don't <laughs> have the ability exactly <laughs> Okay, very good. So your inabilities are can be punished. Yeah, if you're unable, here's what could happen. Well, to what you. about the inabilities of the teachers to teach? Well, again, that's not addressed. <laughs> going back to what you said earlier, okay, this yeah. doesn't seem to be bilateral at all. <laughs> that's the word I was for, bilateral. <laughs> so here's what's going to happen to you, or could happen to you at least: meeting with the year head and student, Ooh. and in brackets, a four W form. These old forms that will rear their head time and time again mm-hmm. in your life. Just have a look at revenue and the state and you've all these forms with numbers and letters. And So anyway, it doesn't say what that form is. but It might be in the book, I'd say. Possibly. Yeah. In-school community service or report card or both. <clears throat> so a bit of labour in, in ser- servitude or indentured labour. Yeah, you have to go up and yeah. fix the roof there in the school yeah. or whatever it might be. Fix the windows that you broke or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Phone call home or meeting with parents to agree behaviour contract. Okay, so you're bringing their, the parents into it to help them reinforce mm. the rules of this book, which by this stage, the parents and or the student would have signed up to. Yeah. So there, it's not, as you say, a bilateral agreement. It's a one-way agreement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Student may be referred to the BSR. Yeah, the old or- Orwellian acronyms. It's the behaviour support room. Oh my God. That's yeah, so you'd be putting a straitjacket and thrown into the padded cell. Okay. Repeated Might be a bad thing, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Better than some of the classes I was in, anyway, yeah. <laughs> Repeated refusal to follow the code of behaviour will result in referral to principal or deputy principal. Terrible. Yeah. So we, we've two sections left. We're up to the principle now on the ladder of behaviour. This is the grey area, is it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> At this point, students may be referred to the behaviour support room or to the board of management. And the responses then to this step on the ladder, meeting with the principal deputy or year head, parents and students. Mm-hmm. So you can meet you, a meeting with the students, the other students. I don't know what that Seems means really. Sweet, yeah. Agreed period to raise standards well, imagine of behaviour. Imagine if there is an issue between one student and another, or uh, okay, fair it's enough. It's a bullying yeah. thing. Perhaps there's a few students to so bring them all yeah, in. Bring them all in. Yeah. Okay. Which isn't necessarily a bad idea that the students would actually communicate with one another, but not when there's an overriding contract involved in this. Yeah. That they have to comply with it because I mean I'm sure these children, per se, have not read this inside out and fully understood what's in this contract. Mm. I'd imagine. Agreed period to raise standards of behaviour. So there's your probationary period, your, oh, yeah. your bail time, if you like. Yeah, okay. And programme of support in learning and behaviour, possibly in the BSR. Well, that's a bit like if, if you were in jail and you agreed to go on, um, uh, go on a respite or mm. if you wanted to go into rehab, yeah. then you could might do reduce that. Reduce your sentence. Reduce your sentence, yeah. So you could be reformed yeah. and get back on track, so to speak to follow the rules and it's the principal can decide this now the last big red one is the board of management 
So on the ladder of behaviour, ongoing problem behaviours, refusal to follow school code, plus other misconduct listed in serious misbehaviours. Now, we haven't even got to that yet, the serious misbehaviours. And there are only two responses to this step on the ladder, suspension process or expulsion process. So basically what it's saying here is if you reach the board of management level, you're either being kicked out permanently or temporarily. Temporarily, okay. Right, okay. So you're being kicked out of jail, so to speak. A lot of students would perceive it like that. And I certainly (laughs) would (laughs) have. Yeah, absolutely. So it is interesting because if you look at the ladder, Mm -hmm. say, for example, you have an old twitch in your hand. Can I add something just before you get into the twitch? (laughs) If it goes to the point... Now, again, I'm not saying that some of these things are good, bad or indifferent. Mm. We're just commenting here on the generality of, of what this book means. So if it gets to the point where you're in front of the board of management and they decide to permanently expel you or temporarily kick you out of mm. the school, then that has for further potential consequences, not necessarily for the student, but in the longer run it may have, obviously. But certainly in the medium to short term to long term, it could have implications for the parents because then the state, I think, could get involved. Absolutely. Same with truancy. Yeah. In not providing an education. The parents then can be culpable of not facilitating or forcing, if you want to call it, the student stroke child in going to school. So therefore the state then can prosecute the parents. Yeah. And in extreme cases, take the children away. Correct. Yes. So you can see the, the sort of entanglement yeah. This brings the children into when they sign and the parents... No. And we're not being facetious here or yeah. flippant when we discuss this. We are looking at extreme examples, of course, but you have to look at the extremes within any kind of a paradigm that has been set up or created. And this potentially is something that could happen based on this contract that the 12-year-old signs. Correct. Now, again, it could happen, i.e. The, the consequences of certain behaviours in school... Um, can happen irrespective of the book we're looking at yeah of course but the book codifies for us or lays down the way the state through the school Mm. look at the student they look at them in my mind anyway from what I've seen of that as being a prisoner and you're prisoners as children Uh, it's it's a prison for your mind basically an institutional blueprint correct yeah Good, good, good old phraseology there thanks yeah I've been working on that alongside my bad language you didn't get that in school (laughs) (laughs) that's for sure we've got standards of behaviour over the next two pages which were referenced in the last one I'll very briefly fly through just generally what some of them are in general attend school be on time for class queue properly enter and exit class quietly now let me stop you for I thought you might you know I mean this queuing thing now I've lived and worked in other countries Mm. And in certain countries, not too far from us, they have this terrible habit. Now, I wasn't culturally adept to this. I'd, they have this habit of queuing for everything. Yeah. It doesn't matter what it is. The same habits they would have had in Russia when they were queuing for bread. Mm. Everybody queues. You stay in a queue. Now, when I was leaving this country to go and work in another country, that habit had not been formed. Mm. You know, if there was a bus, everybody jumped on together. Yeah. Now, it didn't cause havoc or create mayhem mm. and there wasn't a civil war over it we all eventually got on the bus yeah but there was not this thing you have to line up to do things and I don't see why it should you know and the other thing as well if you're lined up one behind the other I think it stops communication as well of course it does you're, you're facing somebody's back all the time yeah 
and same as you're seated on a bus they used to have seats on a bus that would face each other now I haven't been on a bus for a while but I'd imagine now the buses don't the, the seats don't face each other they actually are back to back but this again is putting everybody in alignment and it reduces your communication with people and Irish people love talking and chatting and telling stories so the fact now that they're bringing us into this situation where we're queuing up for everything it reduces our proclivity to speak to people communicate with people talk to people tell stories get information to each other yeah. so communication is reduced by queuing up in it's my mind very anyway. very very yeah. interesting point on um, a physical level that is yeah yeah Take care of all property. Dispose of rubbish in bins. Always do your best. Show good manners. Um, some of them are decent. Yeah, some yeah, of them yeah. are fine, yeah. Uh, own your own behaviour is one... No, the other thing, though, I, I, you see, it's all right and good. It's, it's in the book and some of the things we don't disagree with. But I'd imagine that it's not really for the school to embed some of these ethics in children, is it? It's, well, no, there are things called parents. Yeah, well, exactly. So is, is, is the state through the school not trying to remove the responsibility from the parent and I it is well I, I absolutely believe they are and yeah. I think it stems back to the Prussian system of education in the 1800s but we won't go back that far mm-hmm. into it but I do think that's exactly what what schools have become they have become indoctrination centres yeah and, and replacements for parents exactly or attempted anyway yeah and I, I think it was Hillary Clinton in the ridiculous charade that was the US presidential election mm-hmm came out at some point during the election and I, I stand open to correction on this but I'm almost sure and she said that in many cases or most cases the state is the best parent that any child can have yeah I think you're right in that some, some words that affect anyway. yeah. Yeah, yeah now I won't even give my views on that I think <laughs> the listeners know what they are so then there, there's other ones be mannerly in classwork this, this ties into what you're saying I mean surely most kids know this before they go into school if the parents are doing a good job you know ask for help when you need to say please and thank you here's one though mm-hmm. hidden in there at the end be willing to follow instructions mm. okay. it, it doesn't say be willing to follow instructions that are for your benefit or the benefit of it. just just in general instructions follow feckin instructions good, bad or indifferent yeah like the same sort of ethos the, the priests would have had uh, mm. with the, the boys and the girls that they had under the care you follow our instructions because mm. you know we'll do right by you yeah you know that ethos has not been lost it's the same when a guard stops you on the road you follow our instructions you do what we tell you yeah and that's it as you say they didn't put in that would actually help you or help others mm. it's basically you follow our instructions mm. be they good bad or indifferent and the consequences of which are horrific in some cases you know yeah. so yeah that's you know that that is an open-ended instruction now there may be teachers absolutely screaming at us now and that's fine well how am I meant to run a class with 40 students etc etc but we're not actually talking about the logistics of running a class here we're Mm. talking about it from the perspective of a system that is in place why that system may be in place and what the potential ramifications of kids being indoctrinated within that system are well I'd have issue with what you just said now go for it right you see Again, I'd go back to this principle of, right, learning has not occurred. Mm. You know, if the, if the teachers are screaming and shouting down the radio at us at the mm. moment, I'd have to say, well, when I was going to secondary school and primary school, for that matter, there was, and you know this for yourself, there were certain teachers that automatically would have the class sitting to attention because they interacted yeah. with them and they actually taught them some stuff. And then on the other side, 
we had teachers that were horrific mm. and some of the teachers you just sat there in fear and others you knew you could actually take the piss so to speak out of it and the class was in uproar yeah but there was all the three now the only ones really that you should be putting in front of, of, of children are teachers that can teach and whereby as a result of that learning has occurred so the teachers that were out there shouting uproar at what we're saying here I have no I have no issue with them saying and shouting and shouting us down whatever but I'd actually challenge their their wantingness to challenge what we're saying I would challenge that because a teacher if they're getting what we're saying they'll say yeah fair enough and real teachers know that if they have taught effectively the children will have learned one way or the other yeah they won't have uproar in the classes most of no, I'm not saying most uh, most is the wrong word an awful lot of teachers should not be teachers mm. it's that simple and in my mind I would count on one hand in secondary school the amount of teachers I had now I, I probably had a range of 10 different teachers I'd say 2 out of the 10 should have been teachers at most I think you make a very good point which I hadn't initially the rest picked of up them on, should yeah. not be teaching they should not go near children they haven't a clue mm. they shouldn't be there doing those jobs and as we know in the past on this island people went into doing these jobs such as teaching priests guards whatever it might be simply because they had nothing else yeah and why do most people like I can't speak for others but this is a suspicion I have and anecdotally I've heard this back from a lot of people who are teachers friends and whatnot. Why do most teachers, or certainly a huge number of teachers, get into teaching now? Well, isn't it for the holidays and the permanent pension? Mm-hmm. Is it because they want to educate the children? It, it isn't, like. It isn't. It's not fair to say they are all in there for no, the holidays. Not, no, yeah. not all of them. Because I, I like yourself, I know teachers who are in there for the holidays. I would are, say most. Yeah, but they're also good teachers. And or, I know them. I've met them. And, of course, they exist, too. Yeah. But there's a lot of crap ones, as you mentioned also. Yeah. A hell of a lot of crap now, ones. No, I can't say definitively. I know that perhaps two out of ten teachers in my day should have been teachers and the rest should have been kicked out on their arses, yeah. so to speak. Now, I, I wouldn't say the same now. I l- haven't met teachers. Now, obviously, I, don't, I haven't seen them in the classroom environment, so I can't mm. judge that part. But, but having met them as people and, uh, if you like, uh, judging their attitudes and what they've said to me, I'd say a few more than two out of ten mm. Are, should be qualified as teachers probably three or four but not many more because I have met even in the modern context some teachers that shouldn't be teachers Yeah, it's that simple and I wouldn't put them anywhere if I had a choice near any of any mm. children you know I also wonder what it must be like I don't think I'd be a very good teacher but I wonder what it would be like to be hamstrung then by curriculum like you yeah. could have the potential to be a really good teacher and to be able to educate and foster an environment of learning within a classroom but maybe you're hamstrung by the fact that you have to do Othello or whatever the hell else it is uh, that's just from well, the top I, of my head equally you know? I have the teachers I must say that I would class from my limited knowledge of, of meeting the teachers is that the ones I would classify as being perhaps good teachers or decent teachers are the ones that kind of step outside the boundaries mm. of the schedule of what the state wants them to teach yeah. and they recognise what the what the state is trying to do they recognise it and they work although they know they have to cover the schedule of what the state wants right they still work around that and put in their own sort of parameters uh, whilst covering what the state want they still work around because you, you, you I don't think it's feasible 
to stick that job year in, year out, teaching the same regurgitated material mm. over and over and over again and, and stick to it rigidly. I think yeah. you just go mad. And an awful lot of the teachers probably do go mad. So I think some of the ones, the teachers I've known in the past that I perceive are, are good teachers have worked whilst within the context of keeping the schedule have said, okay, well, what we'll do is we'll just change our approach so that the kids come out knowing the stuff mm. and can regurgitate it, but perhaps enjoy it as well and, and can pick it up faster mm. um, by using other methods other than just rote learning, which is all they advocate, even to this day. Well, it's outcome-based education, which means it's not education at all. It's not, no. It's, re- it's regurgitated vomit, Yeah, really. It's the same stuff that we had. I don't see any difference now to what we had. They regurgitate the same stuff over and over and over. Yeah, they just dress it up differently, give it a different name every now and again once people start to cop on what what it is. There's there's no rhetoric thought, there's no debating thought, there's no critical thinking thought. Mm. Because if you had those three things in place, the the material that they teach in terms of rote material, you could teach four years of that material in a year Mm. and get it all done in a year. Of course you could. And move on to something important. Yeah. Yeah, like thinking. Well, I remember sitting in a, a year ahead's room little cell-like room uh, which was it doubled up as an oratory because we were extremely religious uh, when we were young lads but um, I remember sitting in there getting in trouble over refusing to apologise for talking in class when it hadn't been me talking in class right so I was sent out of class to the yearhead uh, for refusing to apologise and I remember the yearhead saying to me just apologise fair enough I can't say whether you did it or didn't do it. Just apologise and this goes anyway. away. Yeah. And I said, no, I'm not apologising. And he said to me, and it was the first time I ever became aware of the word, he said, you're the most dogmatic person I've ever met. You haven't an ounce of pragmatism. I didn't know what he meant, but I looked it up afterwards. Of course. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. And on the surface of it, it appeared to be maybe true. Yeah, I was sticking to my guns. I was being defiant. Dogmatic. Uh, yeah, yeah, and dogmatic. Yeah. However... I think it was actually the other way around. I yeah. think that a bit of Orwellian doublespeak going on there, maybe unbeknownst to him even, in that I was displaying extreme pragmatism by critically examining the situation and saying, no, well, I'm not being held responsible for something that is not my responsibility and I will stand firm on that point. In the way a lot of people need to do with points of law when they're yeah. in front of a judge <laughs> or whatever, stand firm on the point. I think I was actually being pragmatic in terms of my own situation mm-hmm. and just because it didn't suit him and because I wasn't bowing to his needs or wants or whatever they were to give him an easier life he assumed without looking at the actual nitty gritty of the situation that it was dogmatism well, which a, it wasn't I mean the, the only one being dogmatic is him with his rules there you have it that's it I was going to say that um, very often people use these terms or phrases when it's actually themselves yeah. they're talking about projection yeah. projection or how you are in the world is how you protect yourself mm-hmm. and that's what he was doing as well. and that's what a lot of teachers do yeah. they say these terms now again I, I'd be guilty like yourself of when say, somebody says something but very often now it, sometimes it's out of ignorance and mm-hmm. sometimes it's out of right just to get my breath when somebody says or uses a term or word if I think that they don't know what they're talking about I'll say well what does that mean so I think again but that's me quite like yourself I'd be challenging and, and I always did that when I was in the secondary school yeah. and it actually puts people off if, if you'd have said at that time to that man well what exactly does dogmatic mean mm. no again it's retrospective but I, I, I'm saying this because I would like people to think for their children's sake as well if they're talking to their children if there's a word 
that specifically an adult and an adult in the context of a secondary school or primary school is using the children should say what does that word mean yeah i don't understand because that actually pushes the other party back they have to think right i'm using those terms i have to explain to this child now what those words mean and then that actually it makes them go into themselves and think well perhaps i'm being that way yeah and that's why i've used the word so I think it's a fantastic tool to give your children to ask a question specifically about the meanings and the context of the words that are being used against them. Yeah. And if nothing else, if you teach your child to say, what does that word mean? Well, very often my child would say to me, what does that word mean? And I'd say, go and look in the dictionary, get the dictionary out. I know what it means. Now, I, I would tend not to try and use words that I don't know yeah. the meanings of. But again, I'd say, well, I'm not sure. I know I've used it. Why don't you look it up and tell me what it means mm. and put it back on them? But it's a tool the children can use against uh, perceived authorities that are coming down on them. If they if they say to the authority figure, I don't understand what that word means. Yeah, it puts them back a step because they have to think. Then I have to explain. I now have to explain this. They have a duty. They have a duty to explain yeah. what it is. If you'd have said that to that man at that time, that teacher, what does dogmatic mean? He'd have to take a step back. He, well, you're dead he? right. He would have to, yeah. And he'd have to say, well, it means this. Or else he'd have to say, well, I don't know. And you'd say, well, you're a teacher. Yeah. And you're using words you don't know. And you're saying that I am that word. And you're saying I am something. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't know what you're talking about. Now, m- maybe he does and he could explain it to you. Yeah. But as you said, the opposite to dogmatism is probably pragmaticism. Mm. I don't know if that's the word. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're pragmatism. Pragmatism, yeah. that's yeah. it. So... As you say, uh, that's a good point to point out what he said to you, you know. Mm. And as you say, you were being pragmatic because you were saying, "Well, you looked at it critically." Yeah. And he said, "Well, that's not me. I'm not being dogmatic. I'm just being reasonable." I think that's what pragmatic means. Yeah, and I think standing up for the right thing isn't a dogma; it's the right thing to do. Yeah. So don't stick it in a box there, you know, because I don't know. It's an organic thing, I think. Um, Stop using big words, will you? Sorry, sorry. It's just from the gardening <laughs> I've been doing recently. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to look very briefly, and I, I am aware that this is a long episode, but it is a Christmas special, and we have the musical interludes that you've been hearing from I time to time. I hope we're going to a musical so. interlude soon. I have to go for an interlude myself now. Right, well, yeah. we'll uh, do you know what? We'll take a musical interlude now. Good stuff. Now, put on a good track. I will, of course.
things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. Everybody's out of work or scared of losing their job. We know the air is unfit to breathe and our food is unfit to eat. We sit watching our TVs while some local newscaster tells us that today we had 15 homicides and 63 violent crimes, as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. It's like everything everywhere is going crazy, so we don't go out anymore. We sit in the house, and slowly the world we're living in is getting smaller, and all we say is, please, at least leave us alone in our living rooms. Let me have my toaster and my TV and my steel-melted radios, and I won't say anything. Just leave us alone. Well, I'm not going to leave you alone. I want you to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. My life has value. My life has value. My life has value. 1984. I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell and I'm not Four. 
That was a lovely apt ditty. If you're wondering who it's by, you can go and look it up. Anyway, <laughs> serious misbehaviors of which there are many. We're onto the we're onto the contract. We're going to try and uh, be a little bit more concise in what we discuss. We've we've laid down the groundwork and the framework and the foundations all there. So, the serious misbehaviors. Um, a student may be immediately withdrawn from class for the following two reasons. When a student's behaviour in class is a danger to the safety of others and when a student's behaviour in class prevents other students from learning and the teacher from teaching. So you're saying to me, if I had an issue with something that was said in the school and I, and I interrupted mm. the teacher and said, why? And didn't let up until I got an answer, I could be removed from class. Yes, and furthermore, the principal or deputy principal will be the one to remove remove you for the duration of the class. The student will then complete a W four or sorry a four W form, which is in the back of the book. which is in the back of the book, and will be required to meet with the year head as soon as possible. Parents will be informed. Yeah. So the uh, the long arm of the law stretches in. in the direction of the student. Immediate referral to the principal, deputy principal, can apply for the following behaviours. So not just withdrawal from class, straight to the principal. Mm-hmm. Excessive disruptions. It doesn't say who gets to assess these, presumably the teacher. Mm-hmm. Physical threats. Substance abuse. So if you're sniffing glue down the back of the class. Don't be doing it. Uh, vandalism. Fighting. Possession of fireworks or weapons. So do not bring that AK-47 into school. And We have enough of that in Ireland already, haven't yeah. we? Yeah. <laughs> and theft. Possession of illegal drugs and sexual harassment will be treated in a very serious manner in accordance with school policies. Can I just stop there now? Because, you see, in on the silence per se, we've never, on the face of it anyway, never had, have had a problem in the school environment with weapons mm. or with obvious drug abuse or substance yeah. abuse. Now, in, in other countries, like, for example, the States, it's alleged that there is a problem with hmm. the guns and abuses of substances and weapons and all the other stuff. So in in these schools in the States, in some schools, I'm not saying all, but some schools, certainly in state schools specifically, they actually do have uh, security at the doors. They know? have police in certain states in the US now yeah. at the door actual not just security guards but police with dogs metal detectors you name it okay so you see by having a culture of actually I think very often when you start putting words and language into a book like this you're putting it into the lexicon mm-hmm. of people's mind that we possibly need something more secure because there could be a potential mm-hmm. uh, child or a student that might might bring in a weapon or a substance that 
it's not allowed on the premises. So therefore, I could see in a few years' time they would justify bringing in further security measures like CTTV if they haven't got them already. I think it's pretty much standard now in yeah. schools, yeah. Um, security guards, metal detectors, dogs, blah, 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 blah. So you can see the way this is being geared, I think. You know, I know it sounds a bit extreme, what we're discussing here, mm. but it's gone that way. It's certainly gone that way in Britain. It's gone that way already in the States. And what's to say this isn't the, the direction this is heading because of the wording and the lexicon that's been brought into everybody's language, everyday use? I mean, this is not something you could bring in overnight. If a law was put through the Oireachtas and passed in the whole lot of bill and it said, right, well, CCTV in all schools and uh, guardy with guns and tanks outside, etc., 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 everyone, there'd be uproar. Nobody would allow it. Yeah. However, the old totalitarian tiptoe is a much more successful approach or the boil the frog in the pot. So you stick, mm. the, stick the frog in a boiling pot of water, he's going to jump straight back out. Whereas if you put him in a cold pot of water, he'll stay in it. And if you boil that pot, you will successfully boil the frog. He'll never jump out. Uh, and, and that's what they're doing. It's just this incremental little bit by bit tiptoe. What they'll... Uh, like in the States, I mean, this has crept up on the States and I watched a documentary on there last night about the relationship between Canada and the States mm. and the people that live on the borders and they see it as extremes, mm. obviously, because they've always had a good relationship on the borders between Canada and the USA. But what I would perceive, the way they do it is the Hegelian dialectic you yeah. talked about before, uh, problem, reaction, solution. What perhaps... What they're waiting for is an incident, perhaps, whereby a child goes into school someday or maybe not goes in with a weapon mm. but perhaps uses something in the school to hurt another child yeah. okay and on the face of it that's not good okay so if, it no, if one child hurts another be using their fists or using a weapon it's not a good thing obviously but there's better ways to deal with it mm. what they do is throw it out of proportion they'll have it on the news they'll say well a child stabbed another child and it's incidental where the weapon came from but they'll infer that it came from the outside in somebody brought this weapon in albeit it might be a blunt butter knife or something mm. like that um, which can happen obviously a fork or a knife and somebody gets hurt or stabbed what will happen is they'll blow it out of all proportionality yep. and they'll say well we need these security measures now because there has been already an incident of a child getting stabbed with a fork in the in the economics or not in the economics they do home economics yeah. um, uh, class or lesson so we'll have to search all the kids going in so therefore we need security we need metal detectors and it, something like that will spark it off yeah and there'll be such an uproar about this they'll make such a big incidents about it that people will say ah yeah fair enough you know we do need something like that and mm. this is going on as if it's been going on in every school all the time which yeah. it doesn't and I'm bloody sure that kids have been hurt by each other as you'd expect cause oh, well I remember getting fight. stabbed I remember getting stabbed with the scissors yeah there you go in now. school now actually I wonder should I take a case against the state for that anyway uh, well let's see we'll what psychological scarring it's had on yeah I'm, I'm in bits over it still <laughs> as you can tell but th that's what it starts off as something minor they blow it out of proportion and here's the solution for that problem mm. and the state have the solution and they've it ready to jump in there put in the security put in the dogs put in the armed police put in the metal detectors I'm telling you folks this is where it ends up and again there are going to be people thinking lads you've been utterly ridiculous look at the examples you've given mm. the UK and the US in particular 20 years ago in the US everybody said it's absolutely impossible numerous false flags later and Sandy Hook is one of them go look it up yourself do your own research mm. 
it has led to exactly what you've just described yeah. why are we any different name one thing that we do not follow suit with well, you know it, we're, we're part of supposedly democratic sure. western society it's all the same thing should the state have now recently brought in a new armed police yeah. uh, response unit right and they're geared up like mm. I mean they're now that means that when the perceived criminals the hard criminals out there are looking at this they're thinking right we'll get better guns we'll yeah. get better now that it doesn't take much for a, a culture of guns to come into a country mm. now as it stands at the moment I don't imagine it's very difficult to get hold of a weapon in this country be it a shotgun or a weapon an mm. automatic rifle or whatever but I don't think it's that I don't perceive it to be that difficult because they're available there's gun clubs all over the country yeah. so to get a, a weapon if you wanted a weapon i.e. a gun whatever it might be a knife knives are available all over the place yeah. it's not difficult to get weapons but we don't have a culture of using weapons upon each other now if if the police get more and more armed up and tooled up they already have pepper spray they already have batons if they get guns more people i.e. it may start off with the criminals but there'll be more people out there because the fear this generates because we we should only have the guards armed up like that because there is so much crime that's the argument so then that generates fear amongst people that well if the guards are going to be armed up i.e. first and then second of all the criminals are going to get more armed up with better weapons Mm. that creates more fear so more people then will want to have a gun culture yeah it's that simple and that goes into the schools and vice versa so uh, what's happening is the state want a gun culture the state want a monopoly on yeah. violence essentially correct because then they can do whatever the hell they want to you yeah they can they can justify it as well because they're pre- it's preventative as far as they're concerned yeah. and they can do what they want in case there might be people thinking that they should do something wrong it's not even if people do something wrong it's the thought police again kicking in and again once that then that conditioning goes on a couple of generations you have the people policing themselves be it through their own thoughts or whatever it might be political correctness is great for that and I mean that Mm -hmm. stems from from all the the Frankfurt School and Tavistock Institute and all these places and all these places that are well worth looking up and doing some research on for those that are interested this is a plan this is not an accidental occurrence this is a way of getting people to position themselves in a certain mind frame so that eventually the state won't have to do anything with regard to discipline or controlling the behaviour because we'll do it to each other correct yeah and more and more people will join the state be it one way or another yeah and that's what's happening and again looking at this documentary last night what was happening was there was money being pumped into that arena of defence on the borders. Mm. So they needed more people. So it employed more people. Yeah. And they just said, well, we've given more jobs to these people in these regions. But again, this was self-policing. These yeah. people in those regions were joining the different forces on either side. And they were justifying it. And then, of course, they had friends and families and neighbours. Now, an awful lot of the people on the documentary were saying, now, this is ridiculous. It's gone to the point where our neighbours are no longer our neighbours. These people, 20 years ago, there was no issues with them at all in any context. There wasn't even a recognised border. They happened to have a shop over there. We had a shop over here. They were our neighbours over there. It didn't matter if they were Americans or Canadians. Yeah. It didn't matter a jot. We were free to actually move, integrate, talk to, communicate and trade with one another. Now we're not. Mm. Our freedom is gone. And that's a manufactured situation. Absolutely. Yes, and that's like I mean, it, it sounds like an extreme here, but we're we're trying to show you the tip of the iceberg. Mm. 
you, you condition people at a very young age through something like this and indoctrinate them and they take it for granted then when they're 20, 30, 40 well this is the way things are yeah. and they always have been like this they've never known freedom and their own ability to make critical decisions mm. about things so it's, it's like the animal in the zoo it doesn't need to it, it doesn't look to escape from the cage if it has been bred in captivity because it's all it knows it doesn't know yeah. that the jungle is out there on the far side yeah and the jungle is dangerous anyway isn't it <laughs> exactly <laughs> you're better off being in here mm. so here's a, there's a thing about medical care and students are ill and they inform the teacher but here's one leaving school grounds mm-hmm. for legal reasons Students are not permitted to leave the school grounds at any time during the day. That's 9 till 3.50 unless prior written permission by parents' guardians be given and approved by the school. Students must sign in and out at the main office and show the office staff the parent guardians' permission in the green book, which is the book we're talking about here. It just happens to be coloured green. Mm-hmm. Please note that no student has permission to leave the school grounds during the break however at lunchtime all students except first years have permission to leave the school grounds only first years who live in the town or who go to a relative's house for lunch may leave the school grounds so this is all for legal reasons um so they're bringing the law into it here yeah um then you have the statement of respect i won't read the whole thing out but this is the first of numerous statements codes laws rules whatever that the student has to sign this isn't a small book folks it's this a, it's a is big a book. big big book that stems oh, how far I'd say does it go 50 pages in anyway isn't there I'd say more yeah. I'd, I'd say we're into three figures potentially yeah. so the things that the student has to, has to sign there's the statement of respect we also have um, we have a suspension policy in there and an expulsion policy you don't have to sign those there's the contract now we will have a look at this. The mm-hmm. contract for the for the contract for the year for first year students. In this school, we value being on time, saying please and thank you. Uh, I mean, it, these are first years, not three year olds as well. Yeah. You know, doing our best in class, having good manners, keeping our school tidy. Why should I value these? It helps me. I'm reading this for bottom, by the way. It helps me to learn in my class where others are learning too. It is fair to me, my class, and my teachers. It helps all of us to feel safe and cared for. It helps the cleaners and caretakers, which we have mentioned there would be no need for if there was no littering, uh. <laughs> to feel I care about their work. Okay. It shows respect to myself and my teachers to be on time for class, on time for doing housework Hang on, projects. I, I have to stop you again on that now. I nearly stopped myself. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> if you're clean mm. and you operate a clean environment and you throw the rubbish in the bin, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. What need do you have of cleaners? You don't have one. Okay, so it's con- that itself is contradictory. Now, like, it's a moot point, really. It's, it's yeah. in the bigger picture of things. But, like, I mean, that's only one of a certain load of things that contradicts itself anyway. And if the place yeah. is dirty enough to need cleaners, presumably everyone should be long suspended going by that ladder yeah. that we had earlier. Like, there should be no students left. And so then you don't need cleaners either. I, now, this is actually something I would say. Perhaps then, in terms of um, understanding a, a domestic situation, like, I mean... Mm. When I go home in the evenings um, from what I do and I go in and see my family, I, I generally clean and tidy as I go. Mm. Now, we don't bring in cleaners, okay? Because we respect ourselves, we respect the place we live in. Yeah. And I know I'd get an earful if I didn't clean up after myself, and so would the children. Yeah. So you learn that in your home. So that's something you should be bringing automatically into the school anyway. Mm. A school should not be dirty. No. 
You shouldn't have, and equally, you should not have a need for a permanent or part-time cleaner if these, if you like, morals, moral principles of behaviour already come from the home. Yeah. So they're insinuating there that these kids are potentially dirty, filthy, misbehaved. That's what it infers. Yeah, there. Lord of the Flies type yeah. thing here. They're yeah. bringing in, yeah. basically, uh, children who do not, are not uh, trained, per se, mm. or are not principled, or don't have morals, aren't clean, are dirty, so on and so forth. So it's actually an insult. Because they're saying you better behave yourselves in here. We know you don't behave yourselves at school or at home. Yeah. And we know you're dirty when you're at home. You know, we know you don't clean yourselves. But in this school, you're going to have to do those things. But just in case you don't, we have cleaners in that will clean up after you. Yeah. So it's a huge contradiction. I agree. Yeah. I totally agree. So why are they allowing pupils like that into their school if they're so bad in the first place? And if they're all in there, why aren't they expelling them as per their yes. own rules? Correct. Absolutely. There's no need for the school at all. Well, no students, no cleaners, yeah. no teachers, no need for any of it. Um, anyway, <laughs> it shows respect to myself and my teachers to be on time for class, on time for doing homework projects, on time for canteen duty, etc. We haven't heard what canteen duty is. Presumably they're trying to get the kids to do the work of other people. But anyway, mm-hmm. how can I show I value these things by practicing them every day, by choosing to think of others, by waiting my turn, by telling you what to think there again by looking out for other students by doing my work in class and at home you your class your teachers your parents or guardians can probably think up loads more ways to put these values into practice golden question if everyone chose to behave the way I choose to behave what would my school be like non-existent <laughs> empty <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I always have a choice I can choose well I own my own behaviour is there an answer to that question or is that just an open no, ended there's, there's no what no, school be like if I trust you alright okay. and then bear in mind this is all in the contract which is going to be signed in a second mm-hmm. I always have a choice I can choose well I own my own behaviour I will try my best to live up to these values in my school signed the student and then I will help and support my child to uphold these values at all times signed parent and guardian now You've, if you sign this you've signed a contract to say I always have a choice in other words I don't have to care about the school rules yeah. because the rules don't give me a choice so I mean again there's another contradiction you're signing all these rules earlier in the book and later in the book yeah. you're also signing this contract which is called a contract for the first year students where you say you always have a choice and you own your own behaviour and I can choose well it doesn't say I will choose well it's completely contradictory and as we know laws can't contradict each other can they? no (laughs) (laughs) so then there's an anti-bullying policy um, where bullying can take the form of many different things one of them is malicious gossip I would direct people if they want to can we say something about bullying? yeah I mean I know that perhaps now I don't know about you uh, to a certain extent I was bullied at school yeah I was at times yeah. yeah and I would imagine that everybody experiences bullying of one form or another at times and whatever about you know some of it does get out of control I'd imagine yeah and I've seen perhaps the consequences of some kids being bullied okay that's not good mm. obviously we're not, we're not condoning it and we're not saying it's right or wrong either but also uh, you have to be very careful with this because I think that what they've codified as bullying sometimes is perhaps innate behaviour in people Mm. that they're trying to drive down because 
whatever you, whichever way you come at it from, some people argue, well, it's kind of survival of the fittest or it's natural justice or it's natural law, blah, blah, blah. Well, I actually think there's a certain level of what they would codify as bullying. What I would say is, right, it's perhaps learning about the world mm. as well because there aren't, not everybody in the world is good, as we know, <laughs> um, and not everybody is bad. And you'll meet both. Yeah. Now, if you're trying to protect kids... Now, again, you have to be careful with this because we don't want to condone the, the behaviour of some kids against other kids. Yeah. And I don't, but I don't want to be oversensitive either because I think that a, a certain, if you like... I don't know what the, what the term is in bullying, but a certain, perhaps, conflict with others as you grow hmm. is good. It's healthy. It teaches you something about how other people work and operate and children do learn from those types of interactions as well yeah you, you're not going to go out when you leave school and and come across this beautiful rosy place that nobody bullies anybody it exists everywhere be it it's engendered by the state or what other reason because we're not living in a perfect world yeah so it's there but if you have been protected from bullying per se or if you like um, conflict mm. call it, mm. is a better word I think then you won't know how to deal with it when you get into becoming an adult how the hell do you deal with if you're protected all the time yeah in this safe space that we yeah. hear so much about you're now insulated, yeah. that's yeah. the word from this thing called conflict and that's what I think they're talking about here is conflict um, which exists in the world whether or not we like it yeah. it still exists yeah and what I'm finding with some people we're working with for the CLS is yeah. that they have actually been protected from conflict. So they just don't know how to deal with bullies. Yeah. With the people that put themselves into those positions of authority, which I perceive to be the bullies. Yeah. And for the main are, in this case, perhaps in my history, have been the teachers, have been the bullies. Yeah. How do you learn to deal with those characters? Because those are the only authority figures that we see when we grow up. Mm. Either your parents, your teachers, your, your perhaps your relatives, your neighbours, those are the authority figures you grew up with. Yeah. You have to learn at a young age how to deal with the conflicts that will occur and always occur for everybody. Mm. Now, if you're being protected from that as a young child, you will learn not to deal with it. So yeah. you become insular. When you go out in the real world, you'll end up being insular and depressed. And if you homogenise then... You're going to have a generation of drones, essentially, mm. who don't know, as you say, how, how to function. And mm. you, it's not necessary. I mean, you could have an abrasive character in school and you could have a sensitive soul. And that's fine. Everybody's different, different personality types. Just because you have somebody who is more abrasive, it doesn't necessarily mean that if an argument develops between two people or somebody is naturally more dominant and somebody else more submissive it's not necessarily bullying in every case as you say a lot of that is a learning process and it's difference of it's conflict natural yeah, conflict and there is such a thing as natural conflict Absolutely. It's in, even as, aside from humans it's in the natural world all the time it's how um, for example certain animals mate and how the female might choose a male partner etc etc I know we're on a base level there but it is relevant I think to the discussion overall they, they've extended this idea of not this is there's ads on the television that I just can't abide but I do listen to them just to look at how they're framed and how they're put about and there's one particular ad I, I listen to once in a while about this man 
And I have every sympathy for somebody that's been bullied. Yeah. I have every sympathy in the yeah. world. Don't get me wrong here. I'm not an unsympathetic type of mm. guy or empathic, non-empathic. I, I am quite empathic to, to people. So there's, a, there's an advertisement there and they're talking about bullying and how if you're being bullied at work, yeah. you should talk to somebody about it. Okay. Right. Well, I think the need for people just to talk to somebody about the bullying right it actually doesn't deal with the problem and of course it doesn't you see if that man or woman had been shown at a young age this is how you deal with conflict yeah if somebody bullies you this is how you stand up to them mm. this is what you say to them this is how you deal with them and then you don't become depressed over it because you've dealt with the fucking it's thing. empowerment yes and it's the teaching of personal responsibility we talk about personal responsibility yeah. so much on this show that's what it boils down to don't rely on being protected from yourself or your peers by somebody else or an external force yeah. that you've no control over because you're just you're, you're, you're devolving yourself your power your natural state and that's not what it we're here work. to do it doesn't work it, it of doesn't course work. it doesn't it does lead to these states of and it comes an awful lot of our problems as adults emanate from childhood experiences yeah of course and especially in the context of this book if they're saying to the in, the in this book which they suggest is if you're being bullied you go you don't they're actually saying no they don't I don't think they spell it out in these contexts mm. but basically they want you to report the other person mm. and that will be dealt with by a third party or yeah. a fourth party or it could get elevated to here there and everywhere so paperwork is generated blah 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 yeah. blah bullshit bureaucracy yeah but it doesn't deal with the child that's confronted with another child who has an issue with them. Yeah. Or children for that yeah. matter. Now, if the child was sat down and said, well, look it, this is what you'd have to say, or I suggest you say this, try that. And if that doesn't work, we'll try something else. Mm. And if that doesn't work, we'll try something else until we find a position whereby they either feck off or you deal with them and they won't uh, address you like that again. Yeah. You know, you, uh, you with conflict, you either confront it or you run from it. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying one is better than the other, but what they have there is we'll confront it in a way that we're not confronting it. Mm-hmm. We'll confront it in a way by it generates paperwork. Yeah. And it Side creates administration and, and bureaucracy. Yeah. But it doesn't ever deal with the issue. At least if you run away, you know, I'm not going near that place again. But the trouble is, of course, for children, they can't run away from schools. Yeah. Or else there's another. Trouble. And then, then, then the schools, because they've created this environment their job essentially for themselves to cover their own asses is they need to be seen to be doing something about seen. the problem rather than actually doing something yeah, about the they problem. they don't resolve the conflict. Yeah. Now, I don't know... I, I don't think it's any better at primary level than it is the secondary level, but I don't see that what they've done there actually resolves any conflict. Mm. And they've used the term bullying. It's a broad, sweeping term, but it means nothing. Yeah. And, and they, they, they mentioned some of the forms of bullying. Bullying can take many forms. Deliberate exclusion, malicious gossip, name-calling, physical abuse, cyberbullying. It goes on and on now, and on uh, and on. Like, I know that they've, there's modern, con- modern words there, mm. but all of those things, I would say, if I recollected going to school, I've experienced all of those things. Of course you have. And I'd say perhaps you have. Yeah. And I don't know any adult whom couldn't give a story of what happened to them. And most adults of my generation, or perhaps your generation, mm. will be able to say, right, yeah, that happened to me, but this is what I did. Yeah. And they didn't do that again. Or, like, it might have gone on for a while, but yeah. eventually they found some form... They either ran away from it, or they confronted it one way or the other. But there was none of this involvement with a third party, a fourth party, a fifth party, a sixth party. Uh, it Because, I mean, at that time, they said to children, well, go and deal with it. Yeah deal with it you know 
that's it and they dealt with it they found a way to now in some cases you do need the backup or support of somebody at that point at an early stage say well this is how I would deal with it mm. but you don't need this interference and that's what I call it by the state by the school body by the board of management which is an administrative body that don't want to actually resolve the conflict mm. there's no resolution involved in it so you're looking for an outcome all the time yeah this does not give you an outcome for bullying in my opinion I'd agree with that mm-hmm. and I think the more snowflakes and little preciouses that we create who are exposed to nothing growing up mm-hmm. nothing negative growing up whatsoever then they are tossed out into the real world which is full of negativity and conflict and all. they have no idea how to deal with yeah. it and you're left with a but generation it, of basket it, cases yeah but it, it lends its way also to the reliance then for the reliance then at a later stage in your life uh, upon the state mm-hmm. to resolve your problems for you yeah. or the guards or the priest or the this or yeah. the that again you're a, a you're basically removing your own responsibility yeah. it's being removed from you at a very early stage and you know nothing else yeah so you're 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 stuck in this quasi society of when a problem occurs it's somebody else's problem absolutely it's it's complete cultural marxism yeah it's everybody's the same everyone's homogenized everything is androgynous everything is just in neat rows lines there's order to it all just Cues. watch the US over the next five years cues exactly and you'll see what's coming down the line in my humble opinion um, there's there's another big thing about the signs and symptoms of bullying and review of policy and procedures and initial investigation policy well, procedure deals with bullying is that what they're saying yeah, yeah exactly the procedure there's the initial investigation once bullying behaviour is established a list of points consequences follow up and the responses plenty of forms to fill in um, empowerment and encouragement of the victim so there is no mention of empowerment of in, in the initial stage i.e. how mm. to deal with bullying at source if it's genuine yeah. bullying it's after the fact after you're sitting in a room with somebody and here's how to empower and encourage you how to look assertive not to be assertive how to look assertive how to look assertive, how to look assertive. reassurance that you're not to blame stock phrases such as I don't like it when in other words little snowflake in the corner you're safe spla- do you know what it's the illusion of safety that they're yes. providing there in other words saying well do you know what go out and give that bully a clatter the next time because he won't fucking do it again well look we're not advocating violence obviously no right? no we're advocating responsibility. responsibility. Re- 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 yes exactly and I think there's a difference as well between force and violence self-respect I totally agree and I get quite wound up about this is, is something that evolves it's mm. not something that all of a sudden people get and we know that from talking and not dealing with this in the right word but talking and working with adults yeah they evolve eventually into a position whereby they can stand in front of an authority and say well who the fuck do you think you are yeah you know that's what they evolve into being and we we said this a couple of days ago when we did a school whatever so it's an evolution and that's what we're finding with some adults that they are have been so cosseted in this blanket of security from the state Mm. or from society whatever you want to call it that they don't know as adults how to stand up for themselves in a responsible manner. Yeah. And that's not to say they have to go and hurt anybody or, or bully somebody else, but they don't actually know how to... They don't have the ability to critically stand up for themselves hmm. and stand up to the bully as adults. Hmm. So I can see where this is going. I can see what it's led to already with some people. 
um, it's it's quite sickening. And we were talking about the psychology of all this a couple of days ago in, in the terms of the schools. And it was the biggest issue, I think, for me, is that it's a realisation that people are not psychologically developed or mature enough to be able to deal with something that happened to them as a child because they were protected mm. too much. Now, there's, you have to protect children to a certain extent, obviously. But there's certain things children have to learn from. They have to learn by mistakes. They have to learn by failures. They have to learn by conflict. Conflict will teach you a shitload yeah. in a good way. I can't say it more. I'll just get. I'll just go off on a rant now if I keep going on with this. Yeah, sometimes like I think about it, like if you if you if you have two five year olds and one walks into the room in fancy dress and tells the other one what to do. Here, give me your pencils. Mm-hmm. The person will probably be far less scared of the other kid because they're in fancy dress and they laugh at them or whatever. Whereas if that same kid comes in, happens to be bigger or whatever than the other person or taller, they they might be a little bit more. Um, reluctant to laugh and might hand over the pencils now fast forward to an adult an adult is in a room and there's somebody there bigger than them saying what to do isn't it ironic that the person who is told what to do by somebody wearing a black dress and a wig i.e. fancy dress or a blue uniform and a luminous yellow jacket or whatever other stupid fancy dress they happen to be wearing on the day is more likely in adulthood to do what that other person says that stems from Something that's like where this. it's coming from yeah. you've just nailed it that's where it's coming from this is where it starts this is where the rot starts like. yeah exactly <laughs> and there's plenty more rot here there's there's um, discussion of the uniform the u- uniform policy has to be signed um, the co-curricular and extracurricular policy what's this now this is the range of extracurricular activities provided by the school um, and the attitude of the student when representing the school extracurricularly that has to be signed there's a smoking policy which has to be signed. Is you agreeing to the smoking, are you? Yeah. Um, if or smoking in a certain way, perhaps. Possibly. Now, it's interesting <laughs> because there's a substance abuse policy as well, which All doesn't right. have to be signed. That was never there in my day. Yeah. We were never allowed to sign substance abuse forms. So. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or use substance abuses. Then there's the internet safety acceptable use policy. Um, well, isn't this stuff like that, um, you'd imagine, any reasonably responsible adult would mm. be explaining to their child and not putting upon the state I'd imagine yeah you know but again maybe this is an excuse for adults not to have the responsibility anymore to educate their own children I think so or at least the state is giving the adults the option of opting out if they are heading that direction anyway in their way of thinking maybe that's what they want maybe this is a good thing after all you know yeah yeah there's legislation listed Mm -hmm. um talk of the Data Protection Act and Child Trafficking and Pornography Act um, Interception Act video record okay this this is for 12 year old kids yeah if I had a 12 year old kid and they came to me and they said daddy what's the Child Trafficking and Pornography Act 1998 because my school wants me to sign something that mentions that I'm not going to be happy the words shouldn't even be they shouldn't even be in there I mean I didn't need to know about child trafficking and pornography when I was 12 years of age. Why do children today need to know about it? Yeah. Why? Because adults somewhere have decided there is an agenda and they want kids to have this shit in their head. The lexicon, the words again, the collection of words, there's a certain... Like, like I mean, <clears throat> I know that when we were being brought up as children, 
there's certain programs our parents will say no bed mm. that's it yeah there was no questions yeah no debate yeah and same with the radio program same with you the use of phones mm-hmm. no you're not using the fucking phone yeah and that's it now uh, that was it now why can't parents say no mm. we don't need this the use of these words this language you're not using the internet or you are using the internet up to a point yeah why does it have to be brought in again to the schools because I know the reaction to some of this stuff already you hear it on the radios the schools aren't doing this the schools aren't doing that they're not looking after and they're introducing this and that and the other well I actually think it's a let off for them to have this sort of stuff for the parents again it goes back to the parents you're you're going to bring up your children in a, a, a responsible manner so I mean I know in the past with my children I have not we, we just say no it's it you know yeah. there's no and I want a phone for Christmas no you're not getting a phone for Christmas I want access I want to go on the internet no I want to buy something mm. no now at the time it's an appropriate thing as they grow older mm. you slowly slowly introduce them or allow them to do certain things I use a phone if they want but again I put it back and say well if you're going to use a phone you pay for the fucking calls. Yeah. Right? And that's yeah, it. Okay. Yeah. I am not subsidising your enter- your ongoing entertainment. Mm. No way in the world. If you want to use the internet, you're going to contribute to it. But doesn't that teach responsibility? And that's what they're faced with when they go out in the real world. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. There's no such thing as a free lunch. Yeah. Now, if you don't get that into your children... Now, we're not trying to give parenting classes here. It's just logic. We're using logic here and reason, so well, to speak. It's complete common sense. Yeah. I mean, surely you would want to instill those values in your children instead of having them coming back from school asking you about child trafficking and pornography acts. Like, yeah. I mean, seriously, Which what? It's written in this it's book. It's written in the book. This is the kids' book now, not the parents' book. Yeah. It's for the kids. The kids have to sign this. Yeah. It's, it's I don't know, it's, it's staggering, except it's not at the same time because. Well, it's there in black I think and white. understand it's it. Yeah. to see it sometimes, I suppose. What else is there now? Oh, then we've got support structures and sanctions and uh, there are so many more. There's a policy here which has to be signed and it's a long one on mobile phones, MP3 players, iPods, etc. Etc. So etc. Can that mean anything else? Well, that's what etc. suggests. Yeah. Whatever Um, they choose to put in there. The Department of Education and Science and State exams do not allow mobile phones to be used as calculators or clocks. This is also the school policy. Phones must be switched I, off. I, I've got an issue there with that. I know what they're suggesting. They're talking about the potential for for children to cheat at exams, yeah. perhaps. Right? Now, that is a total anatomy to the way you study when you get on to third level education. Mm. Now, I have done a little bit of third level education. Now, I'm not boasting about it. Yeah. just did it. And... I know for the last set sets of exams I was doing for masters, we had we could bring in the books. Mm. It's totally contrary to the way you learn. Mm. I mean, what's wrong if you're doing an exam with having Google on? What's wrong with that? If you're up in court and you're charged with something, yeah. they don't yet have the audacity to tell you that you can't bring notes in or, or book. the book or the law or whatever it yeah. might be. In the real world, if you've got resources, of course you're going to use them. Yet in school, they won't let you. You see, the focus there, they have completely wrong focus in terms of, again, going back to the, the teaching uh, process they have. Hmm. In my mind, and I've, I've studied this specifically and exclusively years ago because I was intrigued by it, is that it's not about the regurgitation of stuff, hmm. really, in terms of teaching people, teaching children. 
what you do is uh, the the uh, in my opinion the approach should be you you teach children to learn mm. so you give them techniques that help them with learning for example just as a small uh, bit of an example if children were taught memory tricks yeah and there's hundreds of books out there on them there's a couple of specific books I won't promote them but there is books out there memory techniques of how to remember stuff yeah okay and the list of stuff you can remember is as long as your arm if you learn the technique mm. there's a, you can learn how to remember seven decks of cards in in an order yeah of all the orders of mm. seven different decks of cards so you can learn to card count yeah right but that's a trick on its own there's loads of other stuff as well but if they spent the first year of say secondary education teaching children the tricks of how to learn stuff mm. and how to go about stuff you would not have a need for this curriculum because they would learn it all with the tricks yeah they'd learn how to memorize if that's what they want kids to do because you can train your brain to memorize stuff yeah. like that now you, I could teach you a trick right now to remember 10 or 20 things yeah and I teach it to you in 5 minutes now what would that do if you want to learn lists of words for grammar in French or German or Irish or whatever it might mm. be or learning place names in geography or whatever or historical dates and so on and so forth you'd have the whole curriculum off like in a couple of weeks yeah you'd, yeah, you'd learn it all off in the weeks the same with maths science all there's loads of techniques there you could teach the kids if you focused in on the first year yeah you could teach them all them techniques and tricks and they'd learn their own ones as well off the back of that for learning the curriculum exactly so you wouldn't have to be at school more than two years and even, even look at languages because you mentioned them there people think that it's incredible that we can go to school and learn supposedly Irish for 15 years and it's in there as mandatory in the curriculum because yeah. we have to keep the language alive that's the word we hear all the time yeah. from the state alive alive we want it to be a live language okay well how about you fucking teach it as a live language then instead of as a subject and there's a huge difference instead of this outcome based rote memory learning subject take for example a child who goes into a Gael school where they speak Irish they come out within within days learning words and by the end of the first year they are conversationally fluent to a large degree in Irish and you, all other subjects and other subjects as well mm. now you take somebody who comes out a leaving cert level who hasn't learned through Irish but they've done Irish every single day for 15 years they walk out of that exam they may have aced the exam and they don't have a clue how to hold a conversation in Irish Correct, because it's yeah. not a live language I think that backs up exactly what you're talking about yeah. if learning is live learning well then it's real learning if it's drones sitting in rows in seats regurgitating what was fed to them force fed on a page or in a book well that is not learning it's same, not education the same stuff that was force fed to us it hasn't changed yeah you know they're learning the, I mean I, I've seen it my own children right they come home with the same sh rubbish yeah <laughs> yeah. it's the same stuff regurgitated over and over and over and it, it, like for me anyway uh, perhaps might be different from you mm. none of the stuff I learnt bar being able to read and write in school was ever of any use to me 
What I would say is the only things that were of use to me was, and there are certain incidents that stand out. One was I learned how to stand up for myself because there weren't mm. these safe spaces or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also learned the meaning of dogmatism and pragmatism, as we know. <laughs> um, and extracurricularly, there were one or two teachers, and these are the teachers that stand out to me as being good teachers who benefited me in my life. Yeah. There were certain teachers who, outside of the normal curriculum, helped foster and develop other things such as with me it was music and drama that kind of thing expressive creative stuff activities yeah. not the shite that I had to sit down and I mean I, I studied all kinds of different things supposedly for years and years and years and then have to spend the, the next 10 years afterwards unlearning it all because I realised so much of it was complete crap yeah you know yeah. but I have a question for you Des oh no just to clarify <laughs> What's the legal driving age in this country? I, I think from memory, right, I think it's 16. 16, 17, yeah. somewhere in around that. Uh, it might be different for farms. I think you might be able to get a provisional license for a tractor, maybe 15. 15 yeah, 15, 15 yeah. 16. Yeah. What age is the first year again? Usually about the age of 12-ish, 11, 12, 13. Okay. It varies, depends, yeah. But they're not 15 or 16 anyway. No, they're not, no. Right, because we have uh, here in this first year uh, journal... Um, regulations and rules on the parking of students' cars. Yeah, that's a bit strange. Um, yeah. So I suppose. So I are they advocating the breaking of the law? Because it says here, any student, any student yeah. who wishes to park a they car they on didn't school give an grounds, age limit, yeah. no. And this is in a first-year student journal. Yeah. Any student who wishes to park a car on school grounds must have prior permission from the school authorities. An application for oh Jesus. An application form is available in the front office. Cars may only be parked in the designated. So I mean, are they are they advocating? They are they um, usurping Possibly, the laws yeah. of the state? So if you by saying that we are the authority on when you can and can't drive and where you can do it. Uh, yeah, well, that's that's a good question. You see, are, are they taking on board? I'd ask the question: Are they taking on board the liability then mm -hmm. in their perceived usurp usurp I don't know what the us usurpation of the state's rules laws? Yeah. So, strictly speaking, you could put your twelve-year-old in the car of the school morning and say, "Go to school." And uh, uh, providing they had the appropriate applications, there's an application required there, mm. filled in and appropriated, they could, strictly speaking, drive the vehicle, yeah. <laughs> the vehicle, <laughs> uh, the car, into the school grounds and park it accordingly. There's, and there's an interesting point here as well. Mm. It, it says, it is better if students do not use the parked car for socialising, eating, playing music, etc. All right, school so grounds. you can't actually use it during the day. Yeah. yeah, it's uh, so anyway. That that's I'm being slightly. Uh, I, I'd, I'd there, imagine that any uh, twelve-year-old or thirteen-year-olds that made an application to the school to <laughs> park in their grounds wouldn't be given it. But you don't know. You know, maybe they are. Maybe, yeah. maybe it's just interesting. Yeah. Um, there are guidelines on homework then and useful contacts I think they have recommendations on the homework in terms of hours as well I, maybe it's not there I'm thinking of well why do we give homework yeah should you know what we'll have a look at this we're going to be here for the next three days I think are we yeah we'll do this one quickly like, what is homework homework blah 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 tells us what it is why do we give homework it is our policy as teachers now the teachers don't sign this I notice it is our policy as teachers to give homework to every class we teach reasons why include it's necessary for the student in order for him or her to practice the skills of writing and learning 
Homework is a reinforcement of the work done in class, provides an assessment and how well it's been understood, helps teachers identify mistakes and learning difficulties, helps students to learn from their mistakes, identify their difficulties. It affords students the opportunity to work on their own and take responsibility for their learning. It forms a crucial part of exam preparation. Um, we believe that all students should treat, treat homework as an important part of school life. Mm-hmm. It demands time and attention So school extends into home life It demands time and attention When classes for the day have ended Homework, things to do in school um, Yeah, grand Right Students should do homework At a definite fixed time each day And we have our, I've found them How long should they spend on homework? I've skipped a load But how long should they spend? Yeah In first year one to one and a half hours. Second year, two to two and a half. Oh, hang on, just break this down. Mm. Are they talking about one to one and a half hours per day or per week? As part of the student's daily routine. So it'll be daily. They yeah. should spend after the school is finished, they mm. should spend an hour to hour and a half doing homework in first year? Yeah, and that's the average time limit. So bear in mind, if you, if you have a friend who you know is not doing their homework, you should double this to make sure that the average is maintained. Okay. Uh, right? Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> first year, one to one and a half hours. Second year, two to two and a half. Third year, two and a half to three. Mm-hmm. Fifth year, three. And in sixth year, three to three and a half hours on top of school. Yeah. Okay. On the basis that first year students are recommended to do one to one and a half hours work at home, individual assignments should, on average, take 15 minutes pro rata for other years. Pro, pro rata. They're even using the Latin yeah. in there. You know. Yeah. This is like work. You're, you're literally talking about somebody in a work environment mm. coming home from work and doing more work, or staying at work and doing more work. Yeah. Which is what happens in the modern context. It does. It? Yeah. yeah. And they're saying, well, you should do this because it's good for the company, mm. per se. It's good for you. It's good for your colleagues. It's good for everything. And it's interesting because I've heard a lot of teachers complaining about the, and not always complaining, but talking about the length of time outside of school that they are expected to work. And generally, it's correcting homework. Well, the kids don't want homework. You don't want homework. How about you don't give it and get the work done in school if it needs to be done yeah, at but all? I think the Department of Education would have an issue with that. No, well, I think they yeah, would. Yeah. And that's the issue. So, again, teachers, well, would you say empower it, yourselves and it, create an environment that you now, want to work in? On the, on the broad, like from working from nine in the morning till three, we'll, we'll, call, we'll round it off to three. How many hours is that in the day? Nine, 10, 11, 12, 1, 2, 3. So that's six hours. Yeah children spend in secondary school yeah so they're extending that time by the by the homework potentially up for another three hours if you're getting up into the higher level so you're essentially working nine hours a day hmm. now that's the average man or woman's working day isn't yeah, it so yeah. by the time they leave prime secondary school they're primed they're for work they're primed for working for nine hours a day yeah and let's face it most people don't work for themselves correct you know so they're primed then to work for Institutes, yeah, commercial operations, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. So you can see the corollary here between leaving even secondary school and going on into the work environment if that's what happens to you, or you might go on into college or whatever. But you've already been primed to comply with a working day by the time you let you fi- you finish secondary school. Yeah, that's that's extremely astute. Well, it's yeah. there, like, yeah, if you add A to B, get C. So it's there, you know, it's not a complex equation to work out. Yeah. You know, uh, some people don't see it, obviously, but we have seen it. <laughs> we have. Well, you certainly spotted that. Yeah. We're nearly up at the end. A um, couple of more little bits and pieces. There are some useful contacts. 
Um, the school fax machine being one that's very important Sandy, yeah, yeah. Um, then we have a for list. anybody that doesn't know what a fax machine is, 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 <laughs> is yeah. it, I don't actually imagine any of the students that might be listening to this would know what a fax machine is I doubt there is any need to know because then there's email and yeah. there's web well, and that's all given the best to, way to the best way to find out about it is go to the fax machine in your home <laughs> and try and fax the fax machine in school in the school send exactly. them a message via fax good way of doing it maybe yeah. <laughs> that'll teach you <laughs> Then you've got a list of of useful contacts general, right. and it's Child Line Samaritans, Rape Crisis Centre. Again, okay, I won't comment yet. Drugs Helpline, Gay and Lesbian Helpline, Rainbows Ireland, ISPCA. What's Rainbows Ireland? I never heard. Of I that. don't know what it is. Um, like maybe we should have done a bit of research on this. The Rape um, Crisis Centre. I do understand that these can be useful, but. Again, to come back to what you were saying, isn't there a form of conditioning potentially there whereby a child is looking at that age 12 and, right, rape, I, I don't actually know what rape is. I'll look that up. And why do I need to know about rape? Why is rape something that I should expect to happen? Is ra- mm. Do you know, I'm just mentally trying to tease this out myself. Does that need to be in there? I understand that there are children who in their home life are have, susceptible are, to it, yeah, yeah. And have issues and they do need help, but... I don't know. I, I mean, is a kid going to look at the back of their homework journal and they're going to say, right, th- there's the rape crisis centre? Or is a kid who is in genuine difficulty more likely to talk to a person about it and then get the help they need? It? Well, I, I, well, you see, I don't know. Uh, right, that's a good point. Now, not specifically in relation to the rape crisis centre, but yeah. on the broader stuff in there in terms of that. Now, in the past, we have, we have now realised, some people don't realise this, but in the past in relation to would say abuses towards people that have been in institutions yeah. or abuses that have happened to people in homes or abuses to we'll say domestic wife beatings or whatever it might mm. be all of those people that have been abused in those certain ways at one stage or another some of them at least if not uh, a lot of them have gone to the authority they would perceive that could help them mm. which is called Ungarathi Shirkana yeah okay and in the past now I'm not saying this is true for now but in the past, certainly, there have been plenty of incidences whereby the guards of the Gadishia Khan have turned around and said, well, that's nothing to do with us. Yeah. In other words, sling your hook. We're not going to get involved in a domestic situation, rightly or wrongly. Mm-hmm. And similarly with church abuses as well. And similarly with school abuses. People have gone in the past to the guards. Right. So if you look at that scenario, you say, well, what result did these people get? And on the whole, they got no support, no help, no backup, and no criminal prosecutions were taken against these perpetrators of these crimes, mm. which were, in essence, the state, the church, um, priests, nuns, you know, people in authority. Okay? So why now are they turning around and saying, well, you should contact these state people? Because there is no support in terms of the, an outcome again. Well, I'm talking about an yeah. outcome here. Yeah. That you can say, well, actually that person that abused me is now in prison. They've now been hung, drawn or quartered or in prison or are serving a sentence for what they've done to me. So, I mean, putting those things in there, it's, it's just a facade mm. anyway. Like, it shouldn't be in there in my opinion because it's not, it's not a lexicon of language you should be introducing specifically to younger kids. They don't need... Now, I'm not saying hide stuff from anybody. Yeah. But if you haven't got the critical ability as a parent to talk to your child honestly and openly about certain and 
issues like this or gently talk to them about these things and understand what their problems are so on and so forth how do you expect the state you know what you're doing mm. is you're allowing the state to take over and again bring them into this bureaucratic administrative system that does not provide an outcome a reasonable outcome for yeah. the problems that might happen or occur it hasn't happened the state and the church and so on and so forth do not have the history of providing uh, outcomes that would be fair and judicial or mm. ju- uh, you know in accordance with justice it hasn't happened so what makes people think that it will happen now yeah other than getting these children if there is abuses there getting caught up in a system that's only going to mess them up worse yeah and like they have all of these institutions listed in there Mm -hmm. they don't have sports clubs listed they Mm -hmm. don't have all of these beneficial um, activities why not not the local chipper in there in case you want to order a bag of chips why not parents you know our parents council yeah yeah. You know, I'm not saying that that would be a better way to have it, but perhaps, you know, it's like um, this issue of um, there's a new commission being started up to potentially administer the appointment of judges, mm. right? Now, th- the talk about it is that there'll be a group of lay people yeah. that will be there. Now, that's not ever going yeah, to happen. Yeah, people who lay, 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 lay on their backs and do what they're told. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what lay people in their context would be. That's not going to happen. You're not going to have a bunch of people, per se. Yeah. Um, appointing judges it's not going like to would happen. they let us appoint a judge well I'd love if they asked me I'd yeah. have a goal to it, like I certainly would yeah. but uh, there'd be very few people uh, that are in the current regime that I would qualify as being judicial and fair yeah. uh, as, if nothing else I don't give a damn really too much about their if it like their their um, What's, what's the word they're not necessarily their experience their experience I think counts experiential counts but certainly the qualifications in my mind don't matter a damn it's basically how you are in the world that I'd be concerned about are yeah. these people on the face of it anyway prepared to look at other people on an equal footing and as we know from the state they're not mm. you know we've experienced that we've experienced it through other people the justice system per se doesn't look at people on an equal footing yeah. as they don't regard themselves as being equal to those people that are before them mm. so I can't imagine any of those institutions as I'd call them uh, treating people on an equal footing so I, I can't imagine any justice is available for those people that might get or children that might be abused in, in those contexts I can't imagine there is actually an out an outcome a resolution for any of the problems that they'd have I think it'll just exacerbate it I, I actually agree with you and I, I think then when we are told that all I mean let's say the state's counter to that is oh well there are resolutions and there are there's compensation there's this board yeah Money just, doesn't compensate. Exactly. This yeah. is the this is the perceived solution from their side. Let's throw money at Pay it, and off. everyone will be grand. Pay, Pay them, them off. off. It's complete bullshit. Yeah, it is. Because, uh, like, I mean, we uh, like not to get too heavy with this now, because we have yeah. to be careful if we don't get too heavy. Like, there's another day for this to have this discussion. But like, there's been plenty of payoffs. Yeah, of course the there has. Yeah. Now, I'd I'd challenge any of those people that have been paid off to, uh, and ask them and say, look. Well, did you feel justice was done? Mm. Anybody that's been paid off. And I would imagine, now again, I don't know that many people <coughs> in that context, but I'd only, I can only imagine when there is a payoff, they would st- simply state, no, justice wasn't done. Mm. I got a few bob out of it. But if I'm honest, justice has not been done. Yeah, did it undo what went before? Justice has been seen to be done, but there wasn't any justice done. Yeah, and, and there is a big distinction there and yeah. a difference. 
The last thing in the diary, I think this is very interesting, mm-hmm. indeed. Um, there are sections then that can be filled in, and they're filled in with various bits and pieces. In other words, I'll pick out one or two examples. On a particular date, permission was granted to wear a tracksuit until school PE gear is found or mm-hmm. purchased. Yeah. And that's signed by the parent. And there, there's a page there of stuff that the parent has granted permission, presumably so that if it's in breach of the school rules, mm-hmm. uniform policy, etc., etc., the parent has granted that permission, okay? Mm-hmm. And plenty of those grant. But there's another one which is of more interest, and it's what the school documents. <laughs> and the school documents everything does. The school documents whether the individual concerned, the child, goes to the toilet. Every single time, yeah. for example, I can pick out that on a particular date, on a certain month of a certain year, at 2.41, the child in question went to the toilet and was given permission and it's signed by the teacher. Yeah. And on such and such a date, blah, 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 and it goes on and on and on. Every movement of the children... Excuse the pun. Is, yeah, exactly. <laughs> ...is tracked. Every moment and is tracked, yeah. I think there's something very sinister about that. Why do we need to track the movement, the bowel movement indeed, of a child? Why, unless there is something else at work, something else at play and some kind of conditioning? Like, I have a big interest in where the whole um, electronic scenario is going to bring us and the movement from real physical things in the world to this internet of things, this electronic scenario. So look, yeah. look at money in currency, for example. Everything's becoming electronic. There'll be no more checks. There'll be no more paper money in the blink of an eye in a couple of years' time. And everyone thinks this is great. It's really handy. Uh, but it, it gives a huge amount of power away in terms of control over your finances or your, your, your ability to trade in the way that we trade. So the next step will be, and we're seeing it with pets already, is chips. RFID chips, yeah. you know, so you can track your pets. Then it'll be, as we're seeing in the no, states, you can elderly track your children people. You're already. You can track track your children already. They have bracelets available, and they have phones. Specific phones mm. are available as a product to give to your child. So they, now, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, to be honest with you. Mm. But like it's, uh, that technology is available. Yeah. Again, no, I'm not knocking. Sorry to intercede there, because um, I, I, I don't want to be guilty of throwing the baby out of the bathwater. Because there's there's also another side in terms of, for example. People have financial hardship every year t- sending their kids to school because there's a criteria for uh, books, there's mm. a criteria for exams, there's a criteria for transport, there's a criteria for your uniform, blah, blah, blah. Now, the list is endless in terms of the costs associated with those things. And one thing that perhaps, if, if again, we're looking at this critically in a way they were looking for a solution mm-hmm. or an outcome that was good for he- and helpful for people, most children not all of course most children have access to an iPad yeah now I would suggest that the whole curriculum could be downloadable the whole curriculum yeah I'm not talking about a bit of it yeah the whole curriculum could if it was downloaded on an iPad or be it on a whiteboard as some of the schools have they don't need books now I've seen children carrying two bags into school yeah uh, one is weighing a ton and the other perhaps is PE kit or whatever it might be the weight of these bags mm. like, and we had this ourselves going to school I know I had it anyway and it's tough it's hard work yeah and in the modern uh, context there is no need now I'm not saying it's good or bad but there isn't actually need to have a big pack of textbooks now I think that continues 
because the state have contracts with different suppliers mm. to do certain things. And I know, because I've done the research, that that sort of book can be imported into this country from China or Japan or abroad from in the region of 10 cents okay. a book. Now, if you're supplying thousands and thousands and thousands of these things, it reduces the cost even more. And I know this to be a fact because I've done the research on it. And I know that there's one or two prominent publishing companies in Ireland that produce books for our schools and they specifically buy them from China. Right, and then probably sell them on at 20 quid a pop. Uh, uh, yeah, 20 quid, that's an understatement. Right. Some of these books, now obviously the higher up the years you go, the more expensive they get. Mm. But I mean, you could be caught out in general, in most years, first year included, for a bill of 250 quid for a set of books for you. Yeah. So that's a hell of a lot of money for the state to be getting mm. and the publisher to be getting. And all they do is go to China. Now, I'm not saying it's just only China. Yeah. Just using that as an example. But I know there's two prominent publishers that print school books and get them sourced and bought from the likes of Asia. Right. That's a fact now. Now, I'm not going to produce evidence yeah, yeah, for the listeners enough. for that, but I know it does happen and it has happened. Well, everyone's free and we would encourage that people do their own research. Don't take anything that we say at face value. Don't believe anything we there's say. Money, just, just do your there's own money research. involved in all this. It's the same with the uniforms. It's the same with the fact they won't provide, if you like, um, a digital version of the curriculum in school because mm. they're selling a lot of mo- books for a lot of money yeah and then you get bags on top of that then you get the uniforms and you get the transport as well for schools yeah so uh, there's always the argument and people go out this they leave Ireland thinking ah we have a free education now that's you know that's that's an old thing yeah, they've always said nonsense, yeah. that didn't even happen in our day yeah we had to pay for books transport a uniform blah 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 so that's not it's not free yeah you know and they spin it as if it's something brilliant yeah well are we given a choice whether we go or not no we're not and are we given a choice whether we have to have these things no we're not do we have to pay for them yes we do well then it's not free correct now it's I know and I think people should check this out for themselves as well but I would codify schools all schools certainly primary and secondary schools as prisons mm. for your mind I couldn't argue with that mm-hmm. and I think you've, you've listed a practical example of where technology can be used for the good I'm a complete cynic and I don't no. think that the state <laughs> I don't think that the state has the best interests I, I don't think you do either in this instance of children at heart and where where I'm going with the technology thing is if you were to use technology in a negative sense and if, if schools are prisons for the mind and they're mm-hmm. conditioning the children of today so that they will be better citizens heavy use of quotation marks in the future well then the electronic agenda which I think is being pushed in terms of tracking if a kid is already used to being tracked and if their movements, well, then they won't have as big a problem in later life yeah. if all of a sudden that same RFID chip, which they have willingly put under their skin because it's so useful to be able to swipe your hand instead of using real money or whatever else it might be. They won't have a particular objection then to having their other movements tracked. As it is with mobile phones, everybody is using location services because it allows them to access Google Maps and all these conveniences. And they are conveniences and they are great when the technology is used for good but this technology can be used for bad most of it is developed by 
institutions in the US such as DARPA or those existing um, underground in Geneva and places like that it's military development and that is the practical use military and surveillance purposes is why this technology is being developed if people care to research it and yeah they will drip feed us all the good use I, I mean all this technology could be used exclusively for good yeah. if people were aware of what's going on but we're drip fed the conveniences such as Snapchat on our phones or whatever else might be the current buzz when all the while that technology is being used to track us and it's I think invasive, yeah. exactly and I think organisations such as Google and Facebook and these these other ones they are, they are so sinister their roots are in the intelligence agencies of the world they're not there to provide should I the mean, internet itself was created by the intelligence agencies exactly exactly so <laughs> I think people need to be quite aware and what nobody needs to be anything but mm. certainly I think that I need to be aware of what's going on in the world so that I can process it and then discern what information I want to use for good, for bad, for whatever else. And having read that book, which purports to be a school journal, I think that's where institutional conditioning begins for the children of Ireland at the moment, or certainly the children of that school. That's it's a, sta- state, it's a yeah. state-run school. So, I mean, yeah. that's, that's, that, that comes under the state. That's endorsed by the state. And it's part of the future that's being built now for yeah. the children. That is the future, isn't it? Yeah. I can remember that. Well, a very happy new year and happy Christmas. And if you're listening to this and it's already the new year, there'll be another one. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, look, at, uh, thanks very much, folks, for listening and tuning in. And I want to say thanks again for having me on here and putting the work into editing this. this uh, you know, he doesn't get enough appreciation. It does I don't, actually, time. no. Well, actually, that's enough now. <laughs> <laughs> no, he doesn't. Um, all joking aside, um, it's a lot of work. There's a lot of editing involved in what we're doing. And there's a lot of time taken out from his own busy time as well. So uh, please, if you can, just send him a bit of thanks. Send, send me money if you want. <laughs> or money, whatever. <laughs> or gifts. Yeah, or or <laughs> gifts. <laughs> whatever you think. Like That's all we've got time for. And now we're going to have another bit of music for oh, those grand. that love it. I hope it's good stuff now. Oh, it's festive. <laughs> Suitably festive. We'll talk to you. Good luck. Happy New Year and Christmas and all that, lads. Take it easy. I have the power. You have the power. We have the power. And I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode of Alchemy. Remember, we rely on donations to keep the show in its current free and ad-free format and are very grateful for any and all help that you can offer. There's no fixed cost on donations. It all helps. So, for example, if you could spare even the price of a mince pie or a cup of coffee every month, it would go a long way towards keeping us afloat. The donate button is on the website and the support and assistance of you all is hugely appreciated. So thank you to those of you who did donate since the last episode. Alchemy. 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 the ocean just a memory a snapshot in the family album Daddy what else did you leave